Jones. You come for your money. Run again, Sweeney Toad. I've come for the sacred bat. Where is it? Why is? Whatever can you mean? One o. Hello. Does poop ring a bell? Guano. Mines as a source of nitrate, producing 84% of the world's supply of fertilizer. A $1.4 billion industry. That's what this war is all about. You can't legally take possession of the caves as long as the Wachatis inhabit the area. And you want that dookie so bad you can taste it. But, sir, I thought that... Yeah, thank you. That's a fine theory, Mr. Ventura. What's it got to do with me? I thought you'd never ask. The day I met you, there was a white substance on your shoe that I mistook for plaster. Yesterday, I saw the same white substance outside the hut where the bat was kept, and suddenly it hit me. The great white bat has great white guano. That's what you slipped in. That's what was on your shoe. And that explains the abrasion on your palm. Let me run that back for you. That's what you slipped in, that's what was on your shoe, and that explains the abrasion on your palm! Gun Damn, I'm good! All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 121 of Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, uh, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Soulbro and Chris, or Chris and Soulbro. Guys, say hello. The saga continues. <laughs> Chris, are you there? What do you want? Uh, <laughs> are you, has Dennis been over? Is it, was this one of the one of the weekends visit, weekend visits with Dennis? Remember that? What's that? What's that book? The people used to have mornings with uh, mornings with Maury or whatever that that famous book from a couple years ago. Is it weekends? Tuesdays with, with Tuesdays with Maury. Tuesdays with Maury is yours. Weekends with Dennis. <laughs> and in this episode, actually, before we even begin this episode, it is birthday time. So everybody, sing happy birthday to Mobile Suit Gundam because today is. Uh, April 7th, 2013, which is the 34th anniversary of the original showing of Mobile Suit Gundam. 34 years ago today, the first episode uh, was was aired. So uh, some exciting stuff. I mean, I don't know what you do for uh, the 34th anniversary. I don't know if that's just like um, uh, old uh, old sake and uh, day old rice or something like that. But That's I mean, just an e-card. Eh. <laughs> just an e-card to Tamino. As Tamino quietly cries himself to sleep for signing away all the rights. He's like, oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> birthday Gundam. And, and because of that, we are celebrating kind of a Gundam-centric episode here. Um, first uh, topic we're going to be doing today is going to be the long-awaited review 
of Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn Episode mm-hmm. 6. Yes. That, um, I, I'm, I'm sure. I can't even remember when we did five. <laughs> a year ago. Sometime last year, yeah, pretty much. And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be definitely doing our thoughts and, um, you know, reviews of Gundam uh, Unicorn episode number six. And in kind of a, a, kind of a way to kind of segue with it, um, we're going to be having another voice uh, actor interview. And this is with Stephanie Say, who is uh, ironically the uh, voice for the English track on Mobile Suit Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn as uh, Audrey Byrne or slash Maneva Zabi. So we'll be uh, talking with her and uh, hearing her thoughts about her career and some of the things out there. So definitely some cool stuff there. So guys, before, um, before we go into the news, any, any pertinent things that you need to, um, need to get out there? Straight talk, soul bro. Hopes and dreams. Well, well, hopes and dreams will be coming soon, but um, I'm excited for the news, man. All right. And and coming out of the Larry King Memorial. I might as well have a quick uh, straight straight talk drive-by, something that needs to be mentioned. Oh, right on. Drive-by. Let's go, man. I put on my Kevlar. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm ducking in the corner. (laughs) All right. So this... should be completely obvious, but obviously it isn't because I need to bring it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, for some people in our audience, and not just one, this is several people. This is not aimed at any just one person, mm-hmm. so don't go thinking it's aimed at one person. But um, it needs to be made clear that when we say something on this podcast that is just blatantly ridiculous, it is not a serious statement and should not be interpreted as such. Mm-hmm. So if I, for example, say that uh, age is so bad it makes me want to vomit or age is so bad it made me retreat um, into the past and watching old robot shows, these are not actual serious statements. <laughs> so don't okay. get on our freaking cases about it that uh, you know, we say these things about something and, and the way we speak about things. It's a freaking joke. It's not serious. Right. Okay. So right. that's it. Learn okay. to tell the difference between a serious statement and a not serious statement. But people. I thought everything said on the internet or posted is all true. It's not? Well, apparently everything on the internet is serious business. Because <laughs> I, I, I come from the school of the girl on the Allstate commercial. I met my, <laughs> met my boyfriend. He's a French model. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, real good-looking guy, too. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight talk uh, drive-by. All right. Can I get back up? Omar gone? <laughs> Omar's gone. Got these Woo. WMDs. <laughs> Got your WMD right here, yo. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny is uh, last Monday I had to go. Um, I had to go out of town again. I was flying out of LAX, and I'm sitting on the pl- I'm sitting on the plane, and um, I had priority access, so I'm one of the first ones seated. And then as I'm waiting for people to go on there, there was a guy with a wire hat on. It's <laughs> oh. like, wow, that's pretty cool. I wanted to say, Omar coming. <laughs> Probably would have freaked him out though. But um, all right. So Chris, thank you for the the straight talk drive by, and. Um, Yep, coming I, out. I, of- I now officially appoint uh, Omar as the driver of the Straight Talk Express. Nice. <laughs> he's, the, he's the bus. He's the bus driver, huh? There's no one so better. Straight Talk shows everyone's like, "Oh, Omar, coming, yo." <laughs> I would actually like to see that. <laughs> so, Straight Talk Express with Omar driving and you in the back seat <laughs> driving. Some, somebody truck. Photoshop this yeah. or draw this. Listeners, get your Photoshop game on. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> using uh, Senator McCain's Straight Talk Express. <laughs> Pretty funny as hell. All right, so we're now we're going to be going to some uh, Neo's listener submitted news articles and coming from the Larry King Memorial uh, News Center. I'll be doing these with all of you guys. And if you ever have an article, always go to the Leo's Neo's listener submitted news articles thread. Leo submitted is this Leo Laporte's news? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> In the uh, goddamn section of the Mecha Talk forum. And the first one here comes from, oh man, oh, it comes from Canada's finest lollicon expert. And we all know and love Destiny Gundam. And he's got the first one here, and it comes from the Anime News Network. And it says, Made in Japan licensed mobile police pat labor anime series. The North American licensing company Made in Japan announced that it will acquire the uh, mobile police pat labor television anime series. They'll release the 47-episode anime in conjunction with home distributor Section 23 on a bilingual uh, DVD Blu-ray disc on July 16th and in digital formats. So there you go. It's something we had uh, talked about not too long ago. So all those that were unable to watch um, uh, Pat Labor in the past, uh, now you have no excuse. July. Absolutely no excuses. And every incentive, because I don't know if you guys have seen the screenshots of the Japanese Blu-ray version. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It is like night and day, because those um, DVDs from Central Park Media were, for lack of a better word, garbage. And they were very low quality and fuzzy and lacking in detail and had some really odd color balance. I'm sure you guys probably noticed yeah. in your watching while uh, you were reviewing the show that uh, Oda looks like kind of orange most of the time. Yes, yes, he does. Instead of kind of tan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, everything was just really bad, fuzzy, low detail. And if you look at the comparisons of the before and after, it is amazing, even for the TV show, but especially with the OVA. So uh, I already have the OVA Blu-ray pre-ordered, and I will absolutely be picking up uh, the Blu-ray of the TV show to dump these uh, old <laughs> DVDs. Yeah, you'll hand, you hand them down like you gunned them the origins. <laughs> especially with their horrible covers and uh, their really bad false advertising. Oh, well, just, uh, just put them on eBay. Somebody will always buy them there. That's what sure. I do. No, they do. So, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make some money to get rid of these, you know, make my money hey. back. And this goes, it's a great segue to our next topic, that, oh. or next article that comes from Gundam Type Zero. And he has here a live action Pat Labor project in 2014. Ooh, and this is out. also coming from the Anime News Network. Uh, it's been announced that a live action project of Headgear's Mobile Police Pat Labor anime is launching in 2014. The announcement was made on the first day of Tokyo International Anime Fair. Um, and it's uh, Toho Kushina Film Corporation, who are the ones that announced this. And uh, it's been talked about a couple times before, and I guess Mamoru Oshii was asked about it in the past and declined the comment. But um, yeah, so uh, this is um, this is going to be kind of interesting. There's a if you go to Mr. Gundam Type Zero's um, link here, shows you the article and also a really cool um, big large billboard that's showing Pat Leba coming in 2014. So we'll definitely keep you posted on that. 
And the next one here comes from uh, Gundam Type Zero again. And this is dealing with, he says, non-Evangelion movie project by Gynex. Ooh, this is shocking. Uh, <laughs> this is also coming from the Anime's News Network. And uh, says, Gynex makes Blue Uru film with Honomise's Yaga and Sanamoto. Uh, they're, they're making an anime film, the long, uh, dormant Blue Uru project. And uh, it's going to be... Uh, working, it's going to have some of the people that work together on uh, Wings of Honomise, and uh, this looks pretty good because this is uh, Jet Fighters, so you definitely want to check that out. So, um, I guess uh, Gynex have began the plans with this back in 1992 with um, uh, Hideki Anno and some other some other folks here. So it was suspended, and uh, I guess revivals were announced in both 1980, 1998 and 2001. So uh, we'll definitely keep you posted on that. And thank you, Mr. Gundam Type uh, Zero, for both of your submissions. Mm -hmm. And the uh, next one here uh, comes from Poster Wielder. And this is also coming from the Anime News Network. And uh, computer, you need to load. Uh, but... <laughs> There is going to be a new project called The Fool Project uh, that's going to be uh, having um, Shoji Kalamori uh, involved in it. So uh, let's see here. And this was also uh, announced at the Tokyo International Anime Fair. So um, it's a historical science fiction for, uh, story of Nobunaga the Fool. It's set in a parallel world inspired by uh, the Japanese Warring States period with mountain castles. So... Uh, he, uh, I guess we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Looks like some pretty good stuff, and not necessarily mech related, but hey, you know, it's, zillions of anime have there been about Nobunaga Oda? Uh, do you really want to know? Uh, I don't even know if it can be calculated. I and, don't think so. And how many of them are involving him as being some type of demon? Because that's half oh, of the ones I've seen. Yeah, that sounds like um, like some evil demon lord. Yeah, that's always there. I guess there's been as many projects about him as there's been uh, about Jesse James in American movies and TV. <laughs> I guess that's who they would like to romanticize over in Japan. That's yeah. he, he looks cool, though, nonetheless. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he, and, and it looks real cool. So I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the trailer of this. Sounds good. But uh, thank you for your submission. Uh, the next one here comes from Rodimus76. And, yeah, caution, guys, because uh, childhoods are going to be destroyed on this one. Uh -huh. um, it's been uh, released here. There's a, a, an actor. I didn't even know that there was going to be a... Uh, oh, this guy played Aquaman in Smallville, and he's going to be the, uh, the role of Raphael in the new teen, teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. That's oh, mean Teenage Mutant Alien Turtles? No. <laughs> and uh, produced by Surbase. We know it will be an instant hit with all of the... Uh, with, with the geek the geek community so uh yes so we'll keep you posted on that and um yes your your more of your childhoods are going to get destroyed so nice. keep going so uh thank you mr rodimus 76 for destroying those uh, childhoods next one i don't oh. think it's it's too late for for lord bay to uh make amends by casting april o'neill as april o'neill that's all oh. i'm saying there you go. April O'Neil as April O'Neil. There I we wouldn't go. I wouldn't put past him. See, she was born to play that role. Hey. And hey. every other that uh, <laughs> he has played, quote unquote. Yes, exactly. Next one here, man, Destiny Gundam. He was busy. And uh, it's been confirmed, and this is coming from the Anime News Network, that the Fafner Exodus sequel is gonna be a twenty six episode T V series. Right and, on. Yeah. So it's uh, the website launched in January. 
and uh, it's been announced that this is going to be a, a 20 episode television series and is currently in production. It's going to be set in 21, year 2151, two and a half years after the film uh, Dead Aggressor Head and, Heaven and Earth. Uh, the sequel re will re reunite the main staff from the first Fafner television series, including the director and the production company and also the producer. So it's, um, they're looking at uh, both of these, uh, the film and TV anime projects are for the uh, summer, fall 2013 timeframe. Mm -hmm. So definitely keep you posted on that. So thank you. Which means, incidentally, that Peter better get uh, cracking on those reviews once the show starts. Oh, <laughs> time to crack the whip. And, and uh, no pressure, Ray Earth. Oh, no, oh. Pre no, <laughs> no, pressure. no pressure. Get it done, bastard. No pressure, Ray Earth. Well, the next one here comes from Arbiter Gundam, and this is crazy because this has got nothing to do with Matt Cross. So, uh, How's he going to pay his bills? Yeah, no, no, no back-end points on this one, huh? Uh, this is coming from Crunchyroll.com, and oh, this this shows this is this is uh, this, this is it, man. Uh, nearly one million people tune in for Toonami's Evangelion 1.11 airing, and it, they, they uh, for the one o'clock time frame, they got nine hundred and fifty-nine thousand viewers. Still got beat, but beat by Bleach and Naruto, mm -hmm. but. What can you say? So th this I'm sure all three of them got beat by some like random rerun of some old Family Guy episode. Yeah, it did. Didn't have that there. <laughs> <laughs> it says here the subtopic is ratings leave door open for more Ava movies in the future. Really? Really? I don't know. We'll see. And um, I'm amazed that Gynex, maybe they did. Uh, I know Gynex usually likes to charge out the ass. Whenever time one of their products or, or shows is aired on television or, maybe, or something maybe, like that, so maybe um, they made money off of all the fools that bought the Blu-rays. Maybe oh. so. Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> those, from what I remember, those uh, Blu-rays were pretty pricey. Indeed. So, but thank you, Mister Arbiter Gundam, for your non-Macross submission. And uh, next one here comes from Rodimus76, and I'm not really going to go into it, but he's got some cool links to some new kick-ass posters for uh, this the long-awaited greatest movie that will probably happen this year, Pacific Rim. So uh, definitely check those out, some pretty cool things uh, there. And um, that's it there. So they look, like, they look like model boxes. Like when you look at them, the way that the layout is on the posters, they look like the covers of boxes for... Um, for models you can put together, man, they look really cool. I don't really think cool. that's any coincidence. I no, no, I don't think it is either. But I, I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice send up. There you go, nice send up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's cool. I, I would be surprised if there, um, if there are some models, because I would definitely probably buy those. Hell yeah! Oh, so, thank you for your submission, Mister Rodimus seventy six. Next one here comes from uh, Wielder, and this is more Pat Labor news. Pat Labor will finally be in Super Robot Wars O. And, uh, of course, Sergeant Frog's going to be in it, too. Wow. And, yeah, there you go. And the current series list is going to be here. And just give me a second. Oh, my gosh. But I'm going to go through it. Pat Labor. Pat Labor movie. Sergeant Frog. Garen Logan. Code Geass. Zoids. Zoids Genesis. Jushin Ligur. Gambager. Ghost Sawyer. Dentai. Ro Rojan. <laughs> Dan Cougar. NG mm -hmm. Knight. Lumina. And 40. Reunite, Shin Mazinger, Z Hen, uh, get new chain, new getter robo, SPT Lasner, Photoms, Photoms pays, pays wow. Photoms Red Shoulder, Dunbine, L yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam, 08th MS Team, 0080, Zeta Gundam, Double Zeta, G, Wing, C Destiny, 
Double O and Macross Frontier. What? No age? Come on now. But, <laughs> no, you know what? I, I'm shocked is no Shars counterattack. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And They've no had seed. that in games for a zillion years, and they're finally putting it aside for once. What? No seed. I'm surprised they have Destiny, but no Seed. They've been doing Destiny a lot recently because it encapsulates both. I mean, you get you get your Kira and your Shin, and you know, yeah. whatever. Mm. Here you go. So, um, thank you for your submission, Mr. Wielder. Oh, man. Uh, I, I saw this. Rodimus76 put this up. And, man, I always was wondering when they were going to do a sequel for this movie because, my God, it's, it's got to be one of the... Um, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest sci-fi uh, sh- movies ever, right? Uh, it's uh, they've, it's now some details have come out that there's going to be a Independence Day sequel. <laughs> oh my god! I was just wondering how the world went on after after uh, today is our not is our Independence Day. <laughs> Dude, I thought I thought there was that sitcom on television, sixteen hundred pen, man. They got Bill. They got they got the the same dude to play the president in Independence Day playing uh, the president in that show. Talk about typecasting, but I, I I'm I'm I'm, I'm amazed. Supposedly, the data he's legally the age to play the president. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Supposedly, uh, Bill Pullman has been confirmed with his involvement, and uh, here here here's a here it takes place twenty years after the events that took place in the original movie. Because mm-hmm. yeah, everyone's it, aged twenty years. <laughs> and it, yeah, exactly. It's been seventeen years. And it goes, quote, the humans knew that one day the aliens would come back and they knew and they know that the only way you can travel in space is through wormholes. So for the aliens, it could take two or three weeks. But for us, that's 20 or 25 years. It's a changed world. It's like parallel history. Humans have harnessed all this alien technology. We don't know how to duplicate it because it's organically grown technology, but we know how to take an anti-gravity device and put it in a human uh, airplane. Wow, that doesn't mean anything to me. Wow. This time, the aliens are running Linux. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's wild. It's like, I, I've noticed that Roland Emmerich loves to blow up the White House. Like, he just loves to blow up the world. He, he likes to F up the White House or the world or something like that. Like, he, his latest movie is White House Down. Comes out this summer. And it's like, damn, why are you always mess with the White House, dude? A- AKA now, 24 season 7. Exactly. <laughs> Wow, but yeah, AKA not a also Olympus has fallen. Olympus has fallen. The <laughs> the, the, the movie that's biting off of that, but uh, now he's doing a sequel to Independence Day. That's it's not and surprising. I, but um, I'll believe it when I see it because yeah. there have been talks of Independence Day sequels ever since the first, first movie, movie came yeah, out, that's... and that was one of the highest grossing movies of all time at the point. And if they just couldn't get it out back then, what's the impetus for doing it now? That's true, yeah. especially if they can't get Will Smith, which is yeah. still, he's still on the he's fence. Grown and... way, he's grown way beyond their price range yeah. ever since uh, that movie. So, and who cares? It was a bad movie to begin with, and the yeah. aliens were stupid. Yeah, they were really dumb. Don't don't what? tell my dad that. <laughs> I mean, for, for Christ's sakes, they got defeated with a human computer virus from a pre-Steve Jobs return Mac yeah. from 1996. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, exactly. Think that's, about that. That's that's crazy talk. <laughs> that is crazy talk. And uh, also, screw that movie. For uh, I, I'll never forget that at, uh, at the time when that movie came out, it was being plugged as like the Star Wars of this generation. No, Ooh. it is not. <laughs> it's a piece of garbage is what it is. Not even episode one is the Star Wars of this generation. <laughs> exactly. So screw, screw that movie. Yep. 
And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen because, like I said, there have been talks every few years about this since 1996, and here we are in 2013. So, and and that's what's said in this article that this has been going on nonsensically for you know that time for 17 years. So, yeah, they yeah. talked about movies, they talked about doing a TV show, they talked about all these things, and nothing's ever happened. So, I'll believe it when I see it. I might even stake the claim that we'll see Robotech and Evangelion before we see Independence Day. Mm, maybe. But um, thank but no you. No slow guarantee on that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for that. And also, Rodimus76 has a link of the new The Wolverine trailer. So definitely check that out on there, too. Next one here comes from. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling down. The. Oh, what? Eh, what is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where will we land on? <laughs> It is just a yeah. We will just kind of substandard production values are these. Yeah. This is a professional. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I I know I'm not in the uh, the Will McAvoy news center. I'm actually in a in a news center that is run by a complete journalist. Nice, Lord nice. King. Unlike the Piers Morgan Memorial Bathroom. Um, next oh, one here comes from Wielder oh, and uh, the you know Aniplex. USA <laughs> added uh, Valbrave, the Liberator, and the Gurren Lagan anime or TV anime series. So uh, they're going to release it in a complete uh, Gurren Lagan in a complete box set. It's going to include the complete television series with English and Japanese audio tracks, an unaired episode, two soundtrack CDs, a 36-page booklet, a double-sided poster, a 12-post card set, two stickers of Kamina's favorite remarks. The video extras are going to include um, the 3D CG test animation footage, staff interviews, the Yoko Goes to Guy Next video, and others. And it's go all that all that for the low low U.S. price of one hundred and seventy four dollars ninety eight cents. And it's going to ship on May 9th. So on DVD. On DVD. Ooh, yeah. What? <laughs> Blu-ray price is uh, yeah. the amazing five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. God damn. Well, actually, I got here. Uh, it's going to be $669. That's MSRP. Okay. Sale MSRP. price will actually be 550 Okay. So, uh, yeah. So if you um, got some money to burn, and I mean, you only need the first nine episodes because everything else is just. I don't think they give you a discount on that. Oh, they, they only want the first, the first eight episodes. Uh, let me tell you this way to some of my thoughts about this, which are this. Mm. Even Pedro said he wouldn't buy this, and he is the number one. Gurren at Gurren Lagan addict that I know. So, yeah. if even he won't fork over the disgustingly high price for this, what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe his words were, "I love Gurren Lagan, but I don't love it that much." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the same can be said for most other people. Yeah. Exactly. Except for the fools that would actually drop that much money for something that was re- that was previously available from Bandai at normal prices. Yeah. At, at real good prices, actually, including you know thirty bucks for the anime legends of uh, the TV show. So, I unfortunately will not be upgrading from that set. Yep, yep same here. Uh, and thank you for that submission, Mr. Wielder. Next one here comes from Vent Noir, and it's just got a link here about uh, there's um, some Pacific Rim Year Zero art. So uh, definitely check that out. Some cool stuff. Can't wait to see this. Uh, this movie come out because that's gonna be cool. From badass Alex Ross, man, I love that guy's artwork, man. Badass and, Alex Ross. I'll you tell you what, 
Exactly, man. The, the, the artwork for this rocks, so definitely check out that link. And uh, Vent Noir also has uh, a link to the web, ab, web ad for um, Gundam, the Gundam Breaker game. So all those interested in that, definitely check that out. For those that don't know, you can grab that demo if you go if you sign into a Japanese PSN account. Um, you can grab the demo and play it right now, and it's a lot of fun. I was messing around with it, and um, it's a pretty cool game. Oh man, that's that's and that's coming from Soul Bro. And there you go. Know. Stop. <laughs> oh, I was I wasn't really gonna do this uh-huh. uh, article, but mm-hmm. I felt like I should. Of course, just it feels good to do stuff like this at times and to break a you know. Uh, break some things here. And this is coming from Arbiter Gundam, and this is also non-Macross news. Oh, wow. And he, he, he I think he's going to be going to the soup kitchen this month, then. Exactly. <laughs> and he, 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 he labels this as, the Lucas Purge has begun. Oh, my God. Oh, this is coming from Kotaku. <gasps> Lucas Arts has been killed by Disney. <gasps> oh, oh I will get forced to unleash three. <laughs> Soul bro, how are you gonna stay? How are you gonna go to sleep at night knowing that Lucas Arts has been has been killed by the mouse, the mouse overlord? It's the first casualty. <laughs> I guess I guess that's it, man. I, I guess we should just wrap up the show. That's, that's, we can't we can't top that, man. We can't top that news. I, I, if anything, my 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 world is over. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, in, in, in all seriousness, mm-hmm, yeah. it does suck that they did lay off people, and I'm not I'm not yeah. joking about that. But the, the the fact that anyone's surprised that this happened is um hmm, that's very I don't, I don't know what fantasy land you live in so yeah, i can't i can't think of a great game they put out since the early 90s or, or even throughout the 90s uh, since since then i mean all the other games they put out are pretty lack uh, just lackluster and I, I know it's uh i know chris is going to get into this more on the chaos theater but yeah i i don't know i, I just, you have to I, understand how much i'm holding back yeah yeah he is <laughs> it's like if you I'm guys want to hear trying to hold in all of my rage not against disney mm-hmm but against the whiny fans. Woo, so if you guys oh, want to, if you want to do this, why don't you just give a tease? So <laughs> next episode of Chaos Stadier, just give us a snippet of what the folks may be able to hear. I will be tearing into uh, this notion of nostalgia and all the people who think that uh, their childhood nostalgia should run businesses and is the most important thing for businesses to preserve. Nice. Ooh. Nice. This on the next episode of Chaos Theater. Set your calendars, man, and head on over to chaostheater.blogspot.com. Don't miss that shit. Don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, the, it says here that Disney's still going to use the LucasArts name to license games, but the actual studio itself is is no longer there, and it and it sucks. 150 people laid their, uh, were laid off, and that 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 really stinks because you know it always seems like the uh, video game industry is always downsizing. It's, it's always in continuous downsizing, so um, we definitely um, feel bad for those folks. But um, I guess when it comes to the actual decision of doing this, you'll hear more from Chris and Pedro in Chaos Theater episode. What number would that be, Chris? 47 i think Ooh, 47 mark of the devil uh so <laughs> so uh yeah thank you uh, uh for mr arbiter for your gundam for your submission and um uh, yeah i you know maybe go to panera bread because i know they give out the old um the old bread to soup kitchens and stuff since you're not doing any macross stuff and uh <laughs> next one here comes from vent noir and this is Which dangerous. damn news is there? There's only one more article after this, so just keep it quiet there, buddy. 
the people wanted to be hit listened to, so they're gonna be they're gonna be heard. Actually, I had to cut out a lot of stuff so people don't complain if you were taken if you were um, you know taken out of edited out. So it it wasn't on any anything. Dealing with your article is just the fact um, we didn't want to do 14 hours of news. But uh, this one, oh, this is going to be terrible because where it's being done at. This is uh, coming from io9. This is a billionaire Australian mining magnate, Clive Palmer. He wants to build two dinosaur-themed resorts. And, oh, and he's placed an order for 117 fully animatronic dinosaurs that include a 1.2-ton Brachiosaurus, a 20-foot-tall uh Mechamachosaurus and some other things here. So is this he a Mechasaurus? It's a Monomachosaurus. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. But um, this is dangerous because this is 117 killer robots that are going to be huge and could be killing people. Now, granted, if they go crazy, they're just going to kill Australians, and that's not a big deal. No loss there. But they could go across the seas and board ships and come to America. So, so basically, you're you're positing a combination of both Westworld and Jurassic Park. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Will any of these robot dinosaurs be voiced by Yul Brynner? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be kind of creepy. That'd be very creepy. Yeah, some like T-Rex that talk like uh, Yul Brynner. And this is also the guy that um, proposed uh, uh, building a replica of the Titanic called Titanic 2. <laughs> oh, the one that's going to be built by the uh, the Chinese? Yeah. So wow. They, they who build highway bridges with styrofoam? <laughs> yeah, Have you ever seen, like, one of their car crash videos? <laughs> the cars, like, turn into accordions. And it's like, like big trucks. If they're going to build a Titanic, man, I'm not even looking at that ship, let alone getting on board it. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Just from the name alone. <laughs> it'll, it, it'll, it'll be recalled 14 times, so... <laughs> So, uh, man, I feel bad for you, Vent Noir. I know you're uh, an evil Australian criminal, but I definitely uh, I feel bad for you because uh, you're going to be at the epicenter of, uh, of, of all of this. And if you so, run into the, uh, the outback to get away from the killer robot dinosaurs and get to deal with the killer dingoes, yeah, and those, <laughs> they'll eat your baby. And you've got to remember, after, after they destroy Australia, the only people who will be around will be wearing spare tires and mohawks. So that's it. Yes. It'll be, and they'll be and calling themselves fuel. Lord Humongous. <laughs> yeah, looking for fuel. <laughs> so stock up on your Vegemite <laughs> and hunker down. <laughs> and uh, the last one here comes from Rodimus76. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie. It's, it's an old Disney movie, and it oh, was yeah. a bizarre movie. The Black Hole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, they used to, I remember uh, they used to play it a lot on like uh, the Disney Network a long time ago. And, um, yeah, there's, there's plans to make a remake. The only problem is it's going to be co-written by a guy who was on Prometheus. So, uh, <laughs> was it? It, it, it's not David Lindelof, is it? Uh, let me see here. Cause if it is, then you know, it, it, it is, uh, um, I'm, 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 I'm no, looking here. Uh, I'm looking to, okay. Somebody they named signed John Spates. Spates. Yeah. Spates. Spates. Spates to rewrite the screenplay that was first worked on by Travis Beckham, who co-wrote the highly anticipated Pacific Rim. So, yeah, this guy worked on Prometheus. So I think anybody who wrote a single word on Prometheus is is has a stain on them. So that would <laughs> damn, <laughs> yes, not excited. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Y'all are hard on that movie, boy. God damn. <laughs> Because it sucks. <laughs> Damn. It's awful, dude. Oh, really? Tell, tell, me, tell me five good things about that movie. And it does not involve Idris Elba. 
more special effects. You guys are you guys are awful. Um, well, I mean, you're the one saying we're hard on it. Well, what, what? Tell us what's good about that movie. That does not involve Idris Elba in some way. I, I like the, I like the fact that it, it, it's talking. It's it mirrors. Uh, you know, pretty much the. Uh, it, you know, it explains some things about the uh, the evolution of mankind and and, and things like that. It, it's it's in theory and everything like that, but um. I know it's not as good as Alien or Aliens. I, I, I'll put that on the table right now. But it's much better than Alien not even 3. as good as the original uh, Black Hole. <laughs> man. <laughs> well, Black Hole is actually a very good movie. It's strange as hell. It's a little long. That's yeah, it, it's very long. But, okay. So, yes. Yes, anybody that has the stain of Prometheus on them should be excommunicated from Hollywood. <laughs> so says Mr. Hollywood. Thank you, Mr. Hollywood. <laughs> And that's it. And uh, thank you for all your submissions. And like I said, there was quite a bit of news there. And if I didn't get your uh, article, don't be, um, you know, be, don't be discouraged. Yeah, don't be discouraged. Keep posting. Yeah, you just uh, if you looked at how many articles there were in the amount of time, it just made a lot more sense to do that. So, but always uh, put your article submissions on Neo's listeners submitted news articles thread on the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And uh, before we go on to our first topic. Uh, now for a little depression, a little sadness. It's um, <laughs> Solbro with um, the Hopers and Dreamers, and of course Chris coming to the rescue to destroy all the hopes and dreams as Dream Crusher Chris. Yes, well, because you know those 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 scrolls may have stopped me temporarily, but nothing can stop the destruction of dreams. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, that's what gets them out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Especially after weekends with uh, Dennis. Nice. What are you going to write the book, Chris? Weekends with Dennis? <laughs> It'll be a New York Times bestseller. How you know I'm not already working on it? Yeah, I know that. That's why I'm asking. I'm probing. I'm probing. But not directly. In, indirectly. Number one on Amazon. But um, the, our first submission, and uh, thank you everybody who submitted to the uh, the Hopers and Dreamers Corner. Welcome, everybody. And um, like some, uh, You need, like, dream music to go through this segment. You know, like... I actually actually already already put music at the beginning of this as well as the news now. So um, if anything, there's there's, there's appropriate music for uh, for this segment. And it's probably going on right now. But um, going right into it, (laughs) we've got a submission from Haro Meister. And and, um, Haro Meister writes, I'm really hoping that one day all the best RPGs and Gundam games get localized. Jailbreaking and homebrew firmwares will be a thing of the past. Japan will finally realize that there's a bigger and better market outside of their country. Gundam will finally be recognized by Sunrise, and we will get all Gundam shirts for free. No, that's the talk. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> those Gundam shirts will be a nice touch. But um, I, I, it's gonna be really hard for them to go back in the well and dig up a lot of the old RPGs. Um, although there's a lot of RPGs I played back in the day that I would, I would like to uh, to see. Well, actually, a lot of them have already come here. Front Mission. Um, Grandia, which when it was Japan only, I, I thought they were nuts for making it only Japan only. Um, and a few other RPGs. Uh, hey, Solbro, how about that Secret of Mana three, huh? Secret of Mana three, yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. There's, how there's, about that? How about that Mother three? Oh my God, that's a discussion all on its own. Wow, yeah, yeah. that that's a that's a very good uh, that's a very good uh, suggestion to bring I, up. I, but I also, I also yeah, like Meister's nice uh, little thing of like, I want him to do all of this stuff that in, involves putting out cash outlays, you know, to translate it and distribute it. Yeah. But I want it all for the low price of free. Well, check this out, man. The Hopers and Dreamers Corner ain't about logic, man. <laughs> that's, that's a given. But, wait, 
sense. I, I, I want to mention before we go on that uh, we have a, uh, a special sponsor for uh, Hopers and Dreamers. Oh, we do? All right, go ahead. Yes. And the sponsor for all of my answers to Hopers and Dreamers, and, and I guess uh, Neo's as well, is the esteemed Grumpy Cat. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Grumpy Cat is is on board to uh, to help crush some hopes and dreams, and obviously, not gonna have anything to say because uh, she's a cat. But uh, you know, the, the sentiment is there, <laughs> so well, the, 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 I, the, I will be acting on Grumpy Cat's behalf. Yeah, and and the look, the look, uh, the look alone shows. Yes, the look, the look right. says everything. So exactly, if you have a question about a hope and a dream and what the reality of it is, just look at a picture of Grumpy Cat. That'll Indeed. be your answer. Hey, Grumpy Cat says all. Yep. In- <laughs> But uh, any any thoughts on this, Chris? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to speak for you, Chris. <laughs> That's my answer. That's his, uh, there you go. There you go. See, Chris is already salty because he's been waiting for Mother Three for 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 over a decade and some change. So, um, yeah, he's uh he's he's got a lot to be uh he, he's given up hope a long time ago, a long time ago. What was the name of that um RPG on the Wii that um was uh, i guess uh still not coming out here but it's been fully translated in english i forget well, what those, it was those three games all came out they're all coming out pandora's oh. tower is the last one okay right aside on. from xenoblade and uh last story so those all got released well some dreams do come true Get after constant bitching that uh resulted in nintendo not releasing any of those games here because uh they they just couldn't be bothered so they let other companies release them in their place like xseed mm-hmm well, at least someone someone knuckled down and got those t- taken care of. So that's awesome. But yeah, t- talk to me about uh, Japanese RPGs once we have a U.S. release of Secret Mana Three and Mother Three. Let's <laughs> let's see then. <laughs> see then. There you go, man. You already you got you got me hyped for the future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, Horror Meister, for that s- submission. And uh, we're going to move on next to uh, Zeon Silver Star. And he writes, I've got another one. I'm sorry, I've got another one. And although this may be stretching it, I'd love to see F91 get the proper treatment in the form of a series. And OVA are about three movies. I don't think this is asking much since it was originally going to be a series. Um, I, I guess it's the hopes and dreams of a lot of Gundam fans that, um, that wanted to see that expanded upon. Um, personally, uh, I, I, I think a lot of the ideas that Tomino used um, got put, that we're going to use for F91 got put into victory. So it might be retreading things unless a whole new team gets on top of F91. And then you got the debate of whether it's uh, the official word since Tomino probably wouldn't be working on it under those circumstances. But um, it's a nice idea. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, movies based upon that that might fully flesh out the, the book in, in some way, shape, or form. But um, any thoughts, fellas? Yeah, it is too much to ask for because here's the uh, cold, hard truth that Western Gundam fans don't want to accept. Uh-oh. When it comes to UC, Japanese fans, who are the only ones that matter because they are the ones who buy all this crap mm-hmm. and leads to more crap being produced, all they care about is Zeon. Yeah. Yeah. F91, no Zeon. Yeah. Victory. Victory, no, no Zeon. No Zeon. Yep. Unicorn, <laughs> Neo Zeon. Good. <laughs> and Unicorn has been a disgustingly huge success. Yeah. And it has Neo Zeon. So there you go. Yeah. That's Damn. all they care about. No so wonder it got me. Unless, unless they want to go the route and uh, do something on uh, F90 so you can have the Mars Zeon, at least, as the really, 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 really last gasp of Zeon. Don't ever expect anything non-Zeon animated in UC. Yeah. You are correct, sir. So we are stuck. <laughs> we are stuck in the one-year war. Crushed. Aftermath era. <laughs> and thrown into the sun. 
Chris Mastery. Blown up. But um, that's it for the uh, the the Hope is Dreamers corner. Uh, we'll we'll uh, get into more next time. Um, but uh, thank you for more dreams. Indeed. Yes. Thank you, uh, Zeon Silverstar, for your submission and everybody else who participates in the thread. And uh, we'll definitely have a blowout. Oh, oh, not a blowout, but we'll do more in future episodes. And um, I turn it back over to Neil. And after that segment, I'm gonna have to have the weekends with Dennis just to wash that on my memory. <laughs> so, but anything else before we go to our first topic? Mobile Suit Gundam. Unicorn episode six. No, I'm good, man. I'm ready to talk about some uh, some some Banager, Banager, whatever whatever way you call him. <laughs> right. Well, you are listening to Gundam at MHQ. Addicts Anonymous hosts think of My Little Pony? If you're a dude older than 12, <laughs> you really should not be watching My Little Pony. And if you are, go eat some chicken wings. Anime. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Smurfette was hot. Addicts. I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. No, that's cool. I'm just saying that like, My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember... There is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Hey, this is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
Everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And in our first segment this episode, we're going to be ra- we're going to be finally taking a return trip back to Gundam. I know it's crazy, right? We haven't talked about Gundam in so damn long, at least not not with the sole focus on it. But um, sure enough, uh, recently the latest episode of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn finally came out, episode six, and uh, that episode being called Two Worlds, Two Tomorrows." In a world where, <laughs> in a world. <coughs> In a world where there are two. (laughs) In a world where masked men molest young boys. There you go. There you go. And they're they're so fanciful. (laughs) But um, in this episode... uh I'm going to read the summary off of Wikipedia just, just so I cite my sources. Full Frontal and Angelo Sauper come to rescue the Nahel Argama and the Garcineraries as the ESF... The what sorry, and the what? The, <laughs> how do you pronounce that again? The gar, the, Nail Argama and, and Garancieras. Garancieras. God dang. Nahel gar, Argama. I should know this by now. Um, as the EFSF flagship General Rebel bears down on them, the Londo Bell Tri-Stars chase down the Garcineraries... Uh, God damn it. Gar, Garcineras. Garcineras. Garcia. Garcia. Oh, God, I Garcia. Garcia. Christ. There you go. Which suddenly blows up as a decoy to buy time for the slaves to take over the Nail Argama. Nail Argama. Nail Argama. Jesus. Did <laughs> and you watch Double Zeta? I did watch Double Zeta, but I always had a hard time did saying you that word. Did watch Unicorn up to this point? I have. <laughs> Nail Argama. Did you watch there it we in go. English? I did watch it in English and Japanese. Well, there you go. <laughs> To take over the nail argument in explaining the takeover, Full Frontal says it was an opportunity to finally open Laplace's box. It reveals his memories of the events of Char's counterattack and his reasons for continuing to oppose the Earth Federation, implying very strongly that he is in fact Char Asnable. He leaves Angelo in charge of the vessel as it heads back to Industrial Seven, where the last clue leads to uh, leads to along the Ralula. Hopefully I said that right. <laughs> Angelo has the Nail Argama crewmen send out an SOS beacon, prompting the Federation's lunatic base to send a Solomus cruiser in pursuit. Captain oh, wait, Otto. Wait. The, here's your problem where you're reading Wikipedia. Yeah. Number one, uh, Full Frontal does not imply that he's Char. Yeah. Number two, Angelo does not have them set <coughs> their stress signal because they did it on their own. Mm-hmm. Before he caught them, so yeah, it was, why, it was, why are you reading uh, this nonsense? Yeah, you know, uh, let me just let just me go summarize it off your own memory in less than twenty hours. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> you're too funny. Um, the crew pretty much have a big problem with the, uh, the the Zeons being on board the ship and this this forced partnership that's been put upon them between um, uh, Full Frontal and the captain. Um, and eventually, that that partnership breaks apart as uh, they find out the coordinates of Laplace's box uh, after uh, after uh, Minerva goes ahead and reveals it to everybody. It, Eventually, there's a coup between the uh, the Federation uh, the Federation crew of the uh, Nail Arkema and the the Zeon crew, and they, they they fight against each other. And there's a there is a uh, what is it um, a, a, a having of words at, 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 in the hangar bay as uh, both Boniger and uh, and Full Frontal pretty much uh, discuss their differences, and uh, everybody's held at bay by all, by by all the all the uh, the pilots getting back in their suits. Um, Angelo uh, damn near kills uh, Zinnerman, and uh, when Zinnerman uh, finally gives a uh, what's her name, um, the play two girl, um, Marita. Marita, Marina. God, I'm terrible with names. Shouldn't this be fresh? Didn't you just watch this like five minutes ago? I, not only not only did I watch it uh, a week ago in Japanese, I watched it last night in English. So. <laughs> 
So it's you, mean, you mean by last night? You mean five minutes ago, right? No, no, last night. I mean last five night. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> while we were recording, yes. but uh, <laughs> but he, he um, Zinderman tells Marina to uh, to 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 Marina. make her own. De- sorry, Marita. Marita. Are you getting crossed up again here? <laughs> she tells Marita to live her own life and. Uh, all the while, while uh, Ash, uh, Audrey is is telling everybody that uh, that full frontal's pretty much his uh, his his plan is bullshit, and that, that they everybody needs to work together in order to uh, get the most out of Laplace's box. Um, there's a skirmish, and uh, full frontal and An- Angelo they they escape the ship to go back to their own, and um, the nail argument um, finally goes and makes their final play to to capture Laplace's box finally and sends out their mobile suits, including the unicorn, only to be met by the Griffin or the black unicorn who's come to uh who's been Griffin. sent up uh, it's Griffin. Banshee. What are you talking no, about? Banshee. Pat Labor now? Oh my god, I am I am messed up today. The uh, Banshee Norn. The, the Banshee yeah. Norn. You know what's messing me up is because I looked at this damn article. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But uh, indeed, indeed. But the Banshee uh, uh piloted by none other than um our favorite butthurt hero, uh Riddy. Uh he's been sent by the uh the Viss family to not only uh to stop them from getting Laplace's box and, and they obtain that, but to also capture Marita as well. Uh, and um, the Unicorn and the uh, the Banshee have a uh, a throwdown at the end of the episode. So uh, there you go. And in my in my broken uh, explanation. Uh, are you sure you watched this episode? I did watch this episode. <laughs> Damn You're it. Confused. You, got, you, got, you got your <laughs> Nahel Argamma. You got Marina. <laughs> you have the Griffin. Why do I try? <laughs> Next time, I don't know, I don't uh, know where you're getting Griffin from. Next I, I time, give, I'll write my own you, summary and I'll do it that way. That's what I'll do. Damn I give you credit for the brevity, but mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you messed up on the accuracy. I did. So what I'll do is I'll turn it over to you, so you can yeah, give your opinion. Credit, partial credit. Partial credit. <laughs> <laughs> Participation <laughs> credit. I'll get our. I'll get an opinion of of the episode from none other than Chris, so he could correct me on all the all the uh, mistakes I made during the uh, the summary. But go ahead, Chris. It stinks. <laughs> The critic. That, that 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 one's in honor of Roger Ebert. Oh man, rest in peace, man. But uh, no, it, it does not stink. Actually, I enjoyed this episode a lot because yes. this episode I think directly benefited from the extension of the series. Because if not, this would have been the last episode, hmm. and all of this stuff that happened in this episode probably would have been thrown out or taken care of in like two minutes to rush to the final battle. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we had this time to sort of catch up on where all the characters are in terms of all the things that have happened to them and sort of the clarification of everyone's motives on both sides and people just sort of deciding what it is they need to do and now sort of segues into the finale of doing what it is they need to do. Mm-hmm. So I think um, Benadryl came across uh, pretty well in this episode and between this one and the last one, I think has uh, repaired the damage that was done to him in episode four, <laughs> making him such a whiny little bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think he successfully unkeyed himself, Peter. <laughs> unkeyed. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. 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 Uh, I also, as I mentioned in my review on MHQ, mm-hmm. that uh, there's a lot of good scenes with Marita and Zinnerman in this episode. Right. First of all, the scene between Marita and uh, Benajer in his room. Mm-hmm. Where they're discussing, you know, motivations for things, and Benajer sort of reflecting on every time he tries to fight something, it all just kind of blows up in his face, and blah blah blah. And Marita sort of reassuring him that, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do, and to not miss an opportunity. 
Absolutely. So that was good sort of reflection on the rather odd relationship that they've had as enemies slash occasional allies. But I think Zimmerman shined the most in the episode because we've really seen his evolution, particularly in dealing with Marita and Benajer, a guy who is just tired of the hate that he's held in his heart for so many decades over the death of his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. And you can just see that tiredness in him. And he's just sort of given up on being consumed by hate. And that hate that he held for so long no longer does anything for him. And he wants to move on. So I think that um, that was some good stuff for his character in this episode, particularly in that hangar confrontation when Angel tries to kill him. And there's that sort of uh, father-daughter moment between him and Marita. Absolutely. Where she calls him father rather than master. Exactly. I mean, for the most part, I mean, she's helped him heal from all the wounds that he he got from um, losing his family. And um, you can see the just the progression of his of his character um, in this episode, mainly because of that. You know, I just he's letting it go, which I think is one of the coolest things about his character. Also, we finally got to see what uh, Full Frontal's motive is, which is to create an economic sphere around the Republic of Zeon that just completely cuts Earth out and sort of starves it of everything, mm-hmm. which uh, is certainly different from what uh, Shar had in mind. And um, ultimately just would be doomed to fail because on the meta level, we know from UC history that uh, Republic of Zeon turns over its autonomy back to the Federation in UC 100. That's already a confirmed fact. So <laughs> his little plan isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But also... While he does note that military confrontations with the Federation haven't worked so well for Zeon, you think? <laughs> Mineva rightfully notes that uh, all he's doing is turning the tables and breeding a generation of Earthnoids who hate Spacenoids. Exactly. And on top of that, he also is sort of assuming that the Earth Federation would just sort of take it lying down, that the space colonies are just going to put them on ignore mode. Mm-hmm. And not send them any resources and not trade with them. You think they're gonna just take that lying down and not respond militarily? So full frontal's actions um, will, of course, lead to a military confrontation in the future. Yeah. So in the end, his plan while There's a lot of holes. <laughs> yeah, while the concept of you know just if we can't beat Earth militarily, just uh, slash ignore. Mm-hmm. It's a nice idea, but it cannot work as long as the Earth Federation has the biggest freaking military <laughs> and is willing to use it to maintain its status quo for its fat cat elites. So that's his major miscalculation, I think. I know the the biggest the, the coolest thing about that speech is when they were listening to it. Even the guys listening to it, the Federation guys were saying that makes sense, <laughs> at least to like, some level. On like, paper, it does, but the, the paper. As, but in reality, no, it makes no sense and. No. The other thing I enjoyed was just the palpable tension you could feel between the Federation and the Xeon soldiers just being crammed together in this tiny ship. Like You, you can just feel the Ooh. hatred in the air. Hell yes. Oh, yeah. It's like in the hangar, these guys just staring at each other, or when they have that confrontation at the engine room and everyone's starting to get all angry, and then Angelo steps in and starts ratcheting up the tension until finally Mineva steps in and dials it down. But uh, you knew that that alliance could not last, and it was great when Otto tells Angelo and everyone, like, get the hell off this ship. We're not working with you. Go screw yourselves. I, I was waiting for that kid from that episode of Mobile Suit Gundam to step out as a grown man and say you killed my mom and dad and then the other guy to respond you want some chocolate (laughs) what what i enjoyed was and this is like one of those little 
thing that the animators do, like blinking, you miss it. Mm-hmm. Little touches. When Otto says that, one of the operators in the forward console, like you yeah. see him, like with his fist. Yeah. No, it's both of them. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the two guys in the forward console. So they're both yeah. pumping their fists. Like, yeah. Hell yeah, tell him, Captain. That yeah. Captain's the shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, you, so, you... so Otto, he definitely got some coolness points for uh, so uh, flashily and with so much style telling the Xeons to GTFO. Yeah, he's lucky he, he, He's lucky that Strike Crew came in right at that right time yeah. <laughs> to save his ass because he's, he's about to taste a bullet. <laughs> well, he, he, had a, he had basically the equivalent of a Sam Jackson snakes on a plane moment. Indeed. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of these motherfucking Xeons. I'm tired of these motherfucking <laughs> Well, and it, and it's funny too because it also shows like how much of a, a how much of a bitch uh, Angelo is because it's like the first time that anybody really stands up to him, he always gets all flustered. He's like, "What? What?" You know, because he's always used to just being a bully and having a full frontal there to back him yeah, up. Yeah, he likes to talk mm-hmm. big, but without full frontal there, he really can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. His, per- his perm gets out of place, and then he starts squeezing his rose. <laughs> yeah, a little little uh, little, uh, little mashima there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little rose. Oh, his fancy aesthetics. And you can see he gets so pissed at the end of the episode when uh, he had to rip off the arm off of his uh, pretty mobile suit. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at it later. So a uh, couple of things. We do see that uh, there is some new thing being built for Full Frontal, although I don't know why because there's nothing wrong with the Sinanju. Mm-hmm. And he used the Sinanju in the novel up through the end. So some weird giant legless thing is being built for him, which... From the sort of images that we saw quickly, kind of reminds me of the Nightingale, which in um, in one of the Shards Counterattack novels was a giant mobile armor that replaced the Sazabi. Yeah. Oh, shoot. So maybe they're sort of incorporating some of those design elements into that, but I guess we'll see next episode, which makes you wonder what will happen to the Sinanju. Fourth, fourth quarter model sales are going to go up. <laughs> I guess so. Spoilers. Uh, another thing. And I thought this was amusing that it generated so many uh, complaints and bitching from fans because you know That's fans about some who 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 would have thought yeah. mm-hmm. the very tiny ten second maybe flashback to Shar's counterattack right where mm-hmm. we see the uh, Axis shock and they're actually showing footage from Shar's counterattack mm-hmm. yeah and there were all these complaints that it's Bandai being lazy and cheap and blah 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 blah. Are they serious? <laughs> Holy shit. Well, remember, people also bitched, like, in the, I guess, the third episode when there was a few seconds of recycled animation of the unicorn, like, pulling out its beam saber or something, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, it, this, this has always been um, a, a facet of Gundam. Anytime they show a flashback to a previous series, it literally is a flashback to the previous series. Um, in Zeta, they showed clips from Mobile Suit Gundam when, um, when Shar and Amaru were on, both on, um, on board, uh, Hayato's ship and they weren't cleaned up or, or brought into modern animation. It was still the same uh, clip of animation from the animated movie, um, that they, that they showed. So when Lala died. So, I mean, what makes uh, this no, any more special? Not always because, um, Shar's counter, Shar's counterattack. Yeah. They yeah. redid, uh, Lala's death. That's yeah. They, they completely redid it. That's but true. that's probably in part due to the fact that you would have had to use the uh, TV yeah. version, which has the G-Fighter. Or if you use the movie version that has the core booster, mm-hmm. you still have the differing aspect ratios because that was made in 4x3 in the movie 60x9. Anyway, <clears throat> it's framed as a flashback. Yeah. It's maybe 10 or 12 seconds of footage. Mm-hmm. It's the cleaned up Blu-ray version from a theatrical movie that's only 20 years old. Which still looks yeah. gorgeous. Like 20 years old. Which still looks fine. So mm-hmm. I don't see what the problem is. Well, you got to complain about something. <laughs> if you're on the internet, something has got you got to complain. That's what I'm do. sure 
if they did the opposite and they reanimated that scene with brand new animation, then there'd be people bitching like, oh, why didn't they, uh, you know, do an homage and and use the uh, the old scene? There's just no way to win. Yeah. Or, or or some colors darker than what it was in the movie for some reason. They'd or be like, oh. you know the 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 new Jeggins they look different from the way they looked in the old design because they changed. So blah blah blah. Yeah. So either way, there was you know can't win. You can't win. The other thing that was uh, even bigger cause for complaining that uh, just rattled me to no end is that there was no action. What? <laughs> because there was not enough mobile suit action, which. Okay, so the episode opened with mainly rehashing the battle that was at the very end of episode five, but there were some mm-hmm. new things in it. And then we had the brief fight at the end with uh, Riddy against the Jegan and Riesel team. But then in the middle, we had, you know, the hand-to-hand combat of Echoes and all of the Nail Argama people fighting against the Neoxian on the ship. So that's something. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that there were complaints from all sectors about there not being enough action when didn't people bitch a lot in episode four that there's just nothing but uh, mobile suit porn? Yeah, exactly. So, again, there's just no way to win with a certain amount of people. If you have tons of mobile suit porn, people are going to bitch that it's nothing but mobile suit porn. And then if you don't have enough, they're going to bitch that it's not enough. Yeah. You can't, you can't win every time. <laughs> so there's, there's, just just certain, there's just a certain amount of people. Obviously, there's not every fan mm-hmm. and not the whole fan base, but just a certain amount of people that no matter what will find something to complain about, whether it's 10 seconds of Shard's counterattack footage or not enough action. <laughs> There's plenty of great dialogue, though, yeah. and, uh, and, and that, that's something they don't even bring up or compliment it about, and a lot of great story elements that were, uh, that were fleshed out in this episode. Well, there's certain know. people that they don't care about story and character, and all mm-hmm. they want to see is shit blow up on screen, which, if that's all you want to see, you're watching the wrong series. Exactly. Because Gundam has never been just about shit constantly exploding on screen. Yeah. Yeah, not not yeah, exactly. And the thing is too, I mean, um, even though there wasn't a whole bunch of mobile suit action, the the tension and then like you said, the echoes uh, attack and everything like that and, and just everything that was going on between people being pissy and, and bitching at each other, there was a lot going on there. And, you know, it's it's only an hour long, so I don't get it. I, I mean, of anything um, it helped us kind of advance the story to make it kind of feel like, um, to be honest to me, it feels like a Gundam episode more than anything because they started going into the whole kind of, you know, spiritual, humanistic stuff and all that because we were kind of lacking that in some of the past episodes, especially episode four. So, Absolutely. And sort of uh, setting the stage for the final episode Battle. because yeah. everything is now in place where all of the sides have been realigned. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what they need to do, and now they're going to go and do it. Yeah, the episode is, does what... It, go ahead. This is the second-to-last episode, and we see in, in most Gundam shows, the second-to-last episode, there's a, lot going, there's a lot of dialogue going on, not much mobile suit stuff, maybe some at the beginning, maybe some at the ending, because you're gearing up for the final, you know, the final hurrah. And that's definitely what this felt like. So. It, it, it does what a penultimate episode does. It sets things up for the finale. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's enough content here. Which I here don't too. doubt will have so much mobile suit porn that mm-hmm. you'll probably have to watch it with uh, super slow mo on to catch like oh, all yeah. of the random old shit that's going to be showing up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit if the next episode is a little bit more than an hour, maybe like an hour and five or ten minutes, just to put all that crap in there. So there's even rumors, and I, I say rumors, so don't don't take this as uh, means true. 
as completely <laughs> true, but if it was on the internet, it had to be true, that of there's going to be some advanced cameos of Mecha from Hathaway's Flash. Oh, shit. Wow, that's awesome. Which, of course, has led to a whole bunch of speculation that Hathaway's Flash is going to get adapted as an OVA. So that's the next take one. That, take that as you will, but... I don't doubt that for all of those who want their mecha porn, we're going to be seeing everything in episode seven, mm-hmm. including so the kids. Don't crap set. on episode six <laughs> for not having it for you. It does have a thankless job, and that's to set things up. So, uh, but uh, any any other thoughts, Chris? That's it for now. All right. Well, Neil, I what do also you? enjoy though. Uh, just one last quick thing that mm-hmm. uh, in showing the battle from episode five again at the beginning that they right. kept Angelo's little bow. Yeah, <laughs> that's just I just find that endlessly amusing that little that little movement that he did. It's so stupid. <laughs> He's so stupid that you know he beats up all of these uh, fetty grunts and then just bows out of the way for full frontal. It's a- just so fitting of his character for a totally random throwaway thing that the animator mecha animator created on his own um, whim mm-hmm. that was not scripted. It's it's so dandy of him. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Because I, I don't know any other Gundam dandies who who would take things to that level. Oh Not even Ashima. He, he's he's a professional. Let's <laughs> professional dandy. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but uh, 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 what's his face? Um, uh, guy from Escaflone. Um, Delando. Oh, Delando. Delando. Yeah, he'd be he he. he uh, I guess he'd give uh, Angelo the honorary title of Dragon Slayer. <laughs> like hey, Dragon Slayers. Come on, you're pretty enough. <laughs> he fit right in but yeah. neil by all means uh what what were your thoughts on unicorn uh yeah a lot of what chris said i i got a second um you know the 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 use of of the the lack of mobile suit action that didn't bother me at all because like we had stated um you know we need to advance the story a little bit there seems to be a lot going on um with this whole laplace's box and and you know i want to see why it's so important that both of these sides are, are, are wanting to get a hold of this thing and, um, you know, so that really didn't bother me. Uh, of course, the growth with Zinnerman, I, I think, was probably one of the standout um, parts of this. Not only that, you know, not only did he help, uh, he was being helped because of Marita, but he also helps Marita in the end. I mean, you can see the little the little talk that she has with uh, Banajer when she comes by and she's like, yeah, I want to drink this stuff, but it's kind of gross. So I want you to drink it with me. And, you know, some of the stuff that they have there. And, of course, the little interaction between Zinnerman and stuff when she's in uh, uh, the, the Kacheria and um, you know he says uh, you know do, do what you feel and uh, you know all that stuff so that was some good stuff um, definitely love the interaction at the beginning with uh, Bright and Martha where she's like mm-hmm. ah I can't believe you let these you know these 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 people get away and stuff and you know they're able to knock out the general rebel and you know you're you you know you, you just couldn't do what you're supposed to and he's like well you know I just kind of miscalculated <laughs> uh, did, you know he's just because he's kind of so nonchalant and he's like, yeah, what, what's what's this whole thing about this Laplace's blocks anyways that she's, you know, she, of course she gets her little BS thing and then he's just kind of like, uh, whatever. So, well, let's see. That- also, I just uh, interesting comment on at least in the Federation, maybe not necessarily also applying to our real world commentary on the military industrial complex where, you know, Martha is this private citizen who has no actual power at all, yeah. mm-hmm. but just runs roughshod over the entire Federation military and is barking, you know, orders yeah. and criticisms <laughs> at a legendary military figure like Bright Noah. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Exactly. exactly. To come in <laughs> and, and it- just, you know, use the um, Earth Federation military as your personal, um, you know, 
female security force to deal with your own problems. <laughs> and, I, and like I said, I just love I just love the expression they put on his face and just kind of the way he's just like, yeah, well, you know, um, I, I miscalculated yeah. on this one. And, and he just he plays the game because yeah. he's, of course, had decades of experience dealing with these sorts of idiots mm-hmm. all the time who think they know better and, um, you know, can't clean up their own messes without running to people like him for help. Yeah, the, God, the, the, he dealt with Wong Lee. <laughs> and, the, and the man got beat down by the Titans, man. He learned his lessons way back then, man. Don't ever give him the straight dope. <laughs> they can't handle it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was some that was some pretty uh, great stuff. Um, definitely like uh, Alberto do his little talk with um, Butt Hurt Riddy, and you know, <laughs> see, and, and it's and it's like you know, you're you're looking at Alberto and you're like, wow, you know, this guy was such a weasel at the beginning, but now it seems like he's getting it playing against his uh, aunt there, knowing that she's just a worthless piece of crap. And, and the thing about Butthurt Riddy is, okay, so he's wearing an all-black pilot suit, and you put him in the crazy machine. Exactly. The mental state <laughs> that he's already in. Does that seem like a good idea? Well, you know, he, he, Alberto had to pull a few strings for this to happen. I'm like, well, I hope we you know We know what these crazy innovation. machines do to people, and you see, we've watched right. these shows. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, the whole the whole thing with uh, these these uh, faction of the Nera Argama's uh, crew that are like, especially the engineering crew, they're like, yeah, screw this. We're not dealing with this crap. And I, I you know, I also love the, the Echos guys who are just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, you, you guys do the striking and stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, it seems like they're like, are you going to help us? They're like, well, you know, well, well, whatever. And then, you know, when the time comes, those guys are, you know, putting out their smoke grenades and and taking care of everything there. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was that was definitely nice to see Uh, the battle within. I mean, I don't know what they were talking about with some action because we not only have um, we have a mobile suit battle, but it's within the within the hangar bay. I mean, I can't even remember the time we've seen that. And, pretty intense uh, stuff because, um, yeah, exactly. From my memory, in most Gundam shows, when you have a battle that starts in a mobile suit hangar, it very quickly goes exactly. external. Someone blasts a hole in the wall, and everyone starts yep. flying out and shooting at each other. But you have all of this tension in these very cramped quarters, which is even more cramped because the Kashatri is such a disgustingly large mobile suit, exactly. <laughs> despite being all beaten up and. Uh, undergoing hobo repairs yeah pretty much and i mean there was a lot going on there and you know hey just because it wasn't outside doesn't mean we didn't have a mobile suit battle so that, that that's another one there um you know and and i also like the fact that benajer you know he kind of puts everything together and you know he stops being kind of a bitch he's 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 realizing that yeah i never really wanted this position that I'm in, but I'm in it, so I need to take care of. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta like, uh, find, you know, go, go my way through it now, and, and put That's it. That's why I the, said he, uh, he uncued. Yeah. yeah, and then, and then of course you see a little bit of the, the whole thing when it comes to uh, full frontal. It's like, yeah, he's his logic might seem on the surface good, but as, as he just continues and starts uh, speaking more and more about it, it just doesn't. It, it, it doesn't pass the smell test. And in the end, you can see that he's just a guy that just wants to end up being a dictator. You know, it's like whatever whatever you thought of Shar back in there, he was trying to, you know, initially towards the end, get everybody to work together where this guy's just like, you know, oh, well, we're space noids. They're never going to accept us. So screw them. We're just going to, you know, not trade with them anymore and blah, blah, blah. And maybe they'll 
um, you know, uh, just give up and stuff like that. And like Chris said, uh, they have such a large military that's in, <laughs> that's in, that's, you know, mostly intact. And you think they're really going to sit there and, and give this up. And, you know, of course too, like Maneva said, all you're going to do is something like this is just going to make a whole generation of earthnoids, um, you know, hate the space noise. So it's just going to be, the cycle is just going to continue. So, but, um, yeah, some, some, some real good stuff there. So, uh, I'll give it back to you. Um, soul bro. Oh, all right. And, uh, a lot of great points. Uh, you pretty much touched upon a lot of stuff I would have, but, uh, just some things that I, I, I really enjoyed about this episode. Uh, I, I'm a sucker for the discussion of politics and, and on top of that economics when it comes to, uh, fictional, fictional, uh, events in, 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 in anime and, and science fiction and, and full frontal delivered <laughs> when he went and, uh, went on his dissertation about, uh, of what his, uh, his grand scheme was and what he planned on doing was a more subtle version of what Shar had planned. Um, but, also vastly different um as chris mentioned char's way was very dramatic which is you know chucking a an asteroid at earth to make people leave it while uh full frontal wanted to starve out uh the the inhabitants of earth basically by having all the colonies embargo their resources to earth since they're all dependent on that it was nice to get a, a kind of a refresher course on the state of the uc and be reminded there's only two billion people in uh collectively on not uh, did, did, was he saying only two billion people on earth or two billion people total Two people on Earth. On Earth, which is vastly shorter than what we have right now, which is seven billion. So you know, just it gives you an idea of which all the lives that were lost. Think, even no. all of the damage caused to the Earth, Earth with the successive drops of big nasties. Yeah. With only two billion people compared to the seven billion we have now, shouldn't it be a lot easier to sustain the population, even with all of that damage, considering that it's so much less than what we have today? Unless, and, and you have to look too. You know the how uh how nature can heal itself so quickly now too yeah. you know as as long as there's no intervention um yeah I, that i, I kind of thought that too it's like okay there's two billion people spread across the earth yeah it, it, i don't see that being a plan that would really work the way he thinks it's going to work in the end it might actually be worse off because you might allow these people to um repair themselves a lot quicker and a lot easier so well i mean we don't really know the extent of the environmental damage on earth i mean the ozone could be completely screwed a lot of the ground might not even be able to be tillable when it comes to uh um uh, growing crops and whatnot so i mean there's got to be a reason why um earthers are so dependent on um, space colonies or maybe they're just lazy who knows um that could be it too well but, given those fat loos that we saw in double zeta just like eating steaks and stuff yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they were uh to a certain degree the 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 laziness of an entrenched bureaucracy yeah, yeah. That, I, that's probably it when it comes down to it but uh, I, I, that whole scene where um full frontals on on speaker um for the whole ship i i really enjoyed that and of course later on when auto um when you have uh captain auto's rebellion that's <laughs> that's one of the it's one of the moments that makes you want to stand out in your chair because uh he really gives it to uh to to dumbass uh now if angelo he gives it to him and um then uh, they all pretty much get their ship back which is really cool um seeing old faces on board the uh nail argama also was really nice to see the the kids from the um earlier episodes of unicorn seeing them play a, a more vital role in this episode was awesome including even dr hassan from um did he show up and he showed up in zeta and double zeta as well but um it was good to see him of course one of the holdovers from uh mobile suit the the, the previous gun series being in this one the only one looking up to survive until now <laughs> yeah exactly we'll see what his fate is in next in the next episode and he might he might get astonished <laughs> 
I'll, I'll make your favorite pasta when you get back. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> we know what that you means. Pineapple pasta. Oh, pineapple <laughs> pasta. <laughs> no, don't ask for pineapple pasta. But Dr. Hassan, keep your head low. That's all I can say. <laughs> just, just keep being a pervert and just stay in a corner and don't uh, don't make waves. Indeed. Indeed. Um, the attention to detail is one of the things I want to point out. All these episodes are usually animated beautifully, but just to see how the the physics are when people are floating in space, especially on board the ship, when you see characters like pinball themselves off of walls to get a, like an angle on someone, it was really dope. But when when they raided the bridge and Angelo got tossed across the bridge and he had to right himself and then bounce off the wall, just the way that whole thing was animated and just how everybody just um, has a, adapted themselves to floating in space is is, is one of the the cool treats. Of about um, the Unicorn series because they animate it so well. And uh, other bits in animation, too. The animation was standout in this episode. Uh, I hope it is. <laughs> we, long. we waited long enough, but they, they definitely didn't miss a detail there. I thought that was really cool. Except um, that recycled animation from they, they, There you go. Which, that, that kept it from How dare it. they? I want a refund. That, that's a deal breaker, man. I'm, I'm turning my disc in. <laughs> But um, also, uh, as, as mentioned before, the growth of Bunniger, um, Minerva, Zinnerman, and Marita um, by far uh, is probably one of the best parts of this episode. My favorite scene is, of course, when um, Marita and uh, Banajer, they, they are, are, are conversing in his quarters. And, and she's pretty much telling him that, you know, you, you're, 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 you're growing, you're pretty much growing up and you're going to have to make some hard decisions. And, and I, I, I like that back and forth that they have. Uh, outside of that, um, uh, that, that's pretty much my points there. And, and the cliffhanger it ends on was was very nice. It's got me excited for the year long wait. So <laughs> I guess we all got to hold that uh, hold our patience when it comes to uh, the next episode of uh, uh, Unicorn. But uh, any other any other uh, things you guys wanted to point out um, uh, that that happened in this episode? Two quick things. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I like the moment where Conroy, who uh, was the number two Echo West guy, I guess number one now, mm-hmm. when he runs into Benajer and tells him. Uh, Hey, don't don't throw away the life that Daguza saved. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. That was a good little moment there, and also um, it was nice seeing uh, Takuya being such a mobile suit nerd. Yes, just going nuts and uh, slapping every single weapon he can onto the unicorn. <laughs> Although I will still continue to insist. Is not full armor if it doesn't have any extra armor on it. You just slap tons of weapons on it. That's not a full armor. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, exactly. It's full. It's full arsenal. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, you call it full weapons, full arsenal, whatever. But there is no actual extra armor on the unicorn. It's not a full armor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look at look at what is it? Uh, he should know his mobile suit history back. from yeah. from the Alex or the full armor Gundam, which actually has armor on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> bunch of shotgun shells and uh, propellants, propellant tanks and all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, it's ridiculously crazy with all this junk on it, but it's not a full armor. Mm-hmm. It's just it, not. It's not. It, it's, it's false advertising. <laughs> I'm disappointed in him as a Gundam nerd. He should know better. He should. He should be, he should be throwing out the nearest airlock. <laughs> he's in a way <laughs> your history. He's, he's the audience stand-in of crazy obsessed Gundam nerd. He he, rep- he represents Mecha Talk. He represents MAHQ as a whole. And yes. he, he let he let his people down. That's what he did. He did. <laughs> he did. Any other any other things to point out? No. No. Well all right, we should definitely give our ratings for this episode and uh Neil, I'll turn to you first. What's your uh, rating for episode six of Mobile Suit Unicorn Gundam? I uh, I'd give this four out of four Angelo Pouts out of five. Nice. 
Nice. And uh, Chris, what was your rating? Four out of five smoke grenades. And uh, for those who haven't done it yet, definitely go over to mahq.net and read Chris's review for this uh, this episode of Mobile Suit uh, Gundam Unicorn. And as for me, uh, my rating for this is definitely a four. Uh, <laughs> four Banagher manning up uh, manning up uh, moments out of five. I, I definitely uh, I definitely give it that. And um, I guess that's it for this episode, uh, this review of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. And we'll be right back with our interview with Stephanie Shea here on Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I thought they smelled bad on the outside on upcoming superhero movies. Scott, I'm gonna punch you in the face. Why? <laughs> because there is another movie that we must discuss. Oh, what's that? Man of Steel. Oh, Man of Steel. Okay, oh, there's someone to say that. Here's my thoughts on Man of Steel. It's Zack Snyder directing Kryptonian on Kryptonian violence. And as much as I'm annoyed that they're recycling a Superman villain we've already seen on screen, and that there are plenty of Superman villains we could talk about, but he was the best Superman villain. This is going to be the best Dragon Ball Z movie ever. <laughs> I have no frame of reference for, dra- for Dragon Ball Z. Please check our website at Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, I see you got everything under control, man. I'm going to go downstairs and the gun... Damn! What happened to Rain? Yeah.
Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and joining us in this segment is our pal, Dalo R. Lance, which, if you're a longtime listener, you know means that a voice actor is coming along for the ride. Oh! And this time, it is Stephanie Shea. So, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hi! Thanks for having me. So, listeners, you may recognize uh, Stephanie from a variety of different roles. Some of them robot-related, some not. Uh, Hinata in Naruto, uh, Eureka in Eureka 7, uh, plenty of different video game roles, and, of course, most recently for Gundam listeners, Mineva Zabi in Unicorn. So, uh, Stephanie, according to your bio, which I read on Wikipedia, so it must be true... (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it mentioned that you um, started off doing um, scripting and uh, directing for ADR before voice acting. So give us some background about uh, your roots in this business to start off. I actually started out as a producer. Um, so I worked at a company uh, called Digital Manga, and they, um, they, they wanted to produce anime. And so I... I started out as a producer. I was like, I think maybe 23 or 24 years old. I was, yeah, I was like 23 years old. I was super young. Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, I learned by guessing and doing and asking a lot of questions. Um, that said, though, while I'm not a formally trained actor, I had, I'd always wanted to be an actor and I always, always wanted to be a performer. So, you know, throughout school, I was in choir. I did musicals. I was in drama class throughout college. I was I did plays. It was a member of my sketch comedy group, you know. So it wasn't like I came out of the blue and was like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do acting. Um, I had been doing it for many many years. Uh, I grew up doing it, and it was always a passion of mine. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of it, it's a it's a different way to enter the business, I guess. And I strategically like pursued that because I wanted to be creative and be around performers and have something to do with it. So that's kind of like how it started. And um, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your first voice acting role? You're telling us a little bit about it before we started recording. So my first like paid VO gig was for Digital Manga for an interactive CD-ROM. Oh my God, I'm so old. (laughs) But do I have to explain to people what an interactive CD-ROM is? No, they can Google that for themselves. Yes, Google it. We don't hold people's hands here. Okay. And the reason the company was called Digital Manga because they had got a license uh, and got grants from the Japanese government. It's actually a brilliant idea is that they would license manga and they would translate it into multiple languages. They would scan in the pages They'd clean up the pages, scan it in, and do limited flash animation and a little bit of color, and then they'd have the text bubbles. And they would record all of the text bubbles, right, into in Japanese, English, and Spanish. Um, and then when you're watching or, you know, when you have this interactive CD-ROM, you'd basically read this manga... And you could switch between any combination of those those languages, Spanish, English, and Japanese, in text or audio. So you could read it like digital manga and only just have Japanese in the Japanese bubbles and just read it that way. Or you could read it in English. Or you could hear Japanese and see Japanese. Or you could hear Japanese and read English. Um, any of any of that comp combo and so the uh the project was directed by amanda amanda winley and um the 
the sh- the property was Wonder Three mm-hmm. uh, by Tezuka, uh, who also did Astro Boy and Phoenix and a lot of great. He's also often called the father of anime. Absolutely. Uh, and he uh, and the premise is actually a lot like Stitch and Lilo and Stitch, um, but the story veers and is very different ultimately. But um, yeah, and I played um, Shinichi's mom who was this loud, fat, constantly angry woman. <laughs> and I have not, like I was telling the guys earlier, I have not voiced that type of character since. It's a lot of yelling. It was all like, fat girl. It was like yelling. So when you were doing something like this unique sort of hybrid digital manga, was the recording process uh, for that any different than just regular anime or video games? Well, there's no nothing to sync to. So you got to do whatever you wanted in terms of the pacing and the time. But other than that, it, it was pretty much the same. You stood in a room and read. Mm-hmm. So what was your first uh, proper anime uh, dubbing role then after that? My first, sorry, you cut out a little. My first what role? Your first uh, anime dubbing role after that, digital manga. Uh, so I think my first anime dubbing role was probably I'm going to be an angel. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Tenshi ni Narumon. It it was produced by Sync Point, you know, digital manga. Uh, uh, they didn't re- they didn't actually um, they didn't record all of the episodes. They only what got to volume six, I want to say. They never finished the series, and the license ran out. But um, there was a character called Silky in it. She didn't really have very much to say. Later, you find out she's actually the main villain. Um, but when you see her at first, it looks like she's a doll being controlled by this other character. Um, when later in the episode, later in the series, you realize that she's the one in control of the doll and she makes it seem like the doll's controlling her. But for the first, like, I want to say for the first, like, 12 episodes, all she says is yes and no. And she repeats things. But what, basically what happened was that, you know, I was producing it and I hired uh, Fusako Shiotani who, uh, to direct it. And Fusako actually is a, is a seiyu. Um, she oh. was trained in Japan to be a seiyu, and she lives in the United States. So she does a lot of what what I do now, uh, but the reverse of it. So she would definitely to Japanese because she lives in the United. She moved to the United States. So mm-hmm. a lot of like movies, um, like on Japanese air, like on airplanes and whatnot. And for a while, she was one of the DJs of Singapore Airline. Um, oh, like wow. you know how like you would have. You know, and when you travel internationally, you have a radio station and you have like the one DJ that hosts and introduces like every single song and it's kind of on a loop. Um, yeah. she, she did that for the Japanese station. But um, she, yeah, she directed that show and we were having auditions. And she had told me when we started the project together that she did not want, she didn't, she's like, she said, I know that, you know, you ha- you've done acting and you, and you want to do more acting and stuff, but I really, I would really, uh, I really don't want you to be an actor in this show. Because I feel like uh, I would, I, I need to have a support team. And she said um, it was her first time directing anime in English. And she wanted to make sure that she had enough support in the control room. She didn't want me to be on the other side of the glass as an actor. Um, at the end of the first week of auditions, though, she really wasn't finding anybody who she liked for Silky. So at the end of the week, she said can you, would you mind auditioning? I just want to hear you. Cause she didn't know any of my work and whatnot. She's like, I just want to hear you audition. Um, I'm not promising anything. I just want to hear what you sound like. 
uh, will you read for this part? Because this is the one part that I'm nervous about. I don't have enough people that I like for this part. So I auditioned for the part. And immediately after my audition, she said, oh, she's like, that's it. Um, I'm hiring you. I want you to play the part. So that's how I ended up being in that show. And um, that was my first anime role. Nice. So since that dub uh, was never completed, did you ever get to the point where you were able to play the villainous aspect of that role or not? I don't think so. We never got to that point. Oh. I got to the point where she talked a little bit more, but I never got to the point that we actually got to see her. You know yeah. what? I think, actually, I think there was a scene where she started freaking out, where you start to realize that she's the villain, but she starts, she actually has a whole freak out scene. And I mm -hmm. think recorded it, but I don't think it was ever released. Oh, because I remember at the time uh, there was such a delay with that show and people were upset about it. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that Sync Point, about the only show that they ever fully dubbed and released was Fully Cooling. and everything else was just sort of, um, you know, left in the wings. Well, there was only, they only, they only had two shows right. at the time. All they had was uh, Tenshini Narumo and Furikuri. Those are the only two shows that they had at the time before they disbanded. So what happened was like, they they restructured internally and they got rid of their production department and neither side wanted to do production. Ultimately, um, Broccoli USA, which ended up like half of the company became it, it basically become digital. Ma digital manga was the full company and their production arm was called SyncPoint. So SyncPoint wasn't a step, wasn't ever a company name. It was just a brand. Right. That was their production brand. So when digital manga split into two digital manga side still released books and how to draw manga books. And they still existed. And then the other aspect of merchandising and whatnot became Broccoli USA. So oh. Broccoli USA inherited the production aspect of it. But because to produce anime, you have to put a lot of money up front. You have to invest a lot of money up front. And it costs a lot up front before you ever recoup it. They didn't, neither side, neither side wanted to do production. So that's how Furikuri, that's how, um, that's how, um, Tenshini Narumon got abandoned in a sense. Like the assets were inherited by Broccoli USA, but they never pursued continuing to, um, dub that show. And the, and quite frankly, the numbers weren't high enough. I think one of the reasons that that show got killed was because they were also releasing VHSs of the show when, and that was right when the transition was dying out between VHS and DVD. And so they had put all this money to make all these tapes and they couldn't sell them because right. people started pretty much only buying. And back, you know, VHS, you would have to make a dub version of the VHS and then also a the subtitle. Sub yeah, so yeah. It, so that never got completed. Afterwards, um, the Broccoli, when Broccoli was Broccoli USA was doing a little bit better, they ended up releasing some Digikara. They, they released the original Digikara series, um, but they're very short and also leave it to Pyoko. But they never picked it back up, Tenshini Naramo. It's an interesting uh, story about the convoluted ways that the uh, anime industry can work with uh, things getting released and dropped. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, so, pretty much. Considering, like, you're saying VHS tapes, like, man, now I feel old. That's, yeah, that's so ancient. <laughs> like, the calling back to those days when you had dub and sub tapes and the very fierce days of the sub versus dub debate that unfortunately never went away, even with the advent of DVDs yeah. and Blu-rays. Yeah, because, like, people still, I, like, when I find out that people are still debating that, it's just, like, I just want to laugh. I mean, it seems ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just pick one or the other. Just pick your yeah, remote. You Let both now. I, before, before it really was a debate because yeah. what would happen is if 
because everything's like based on money. So mm-hmm. if if the comp if people were buying more subs, then you would produce more subs. But this the real thing about it was that people were buying more dubs. People yeah. well, dubs were selling way more. But in the anime world and in the fandom, mm-hmm. the community that liked subtitles were much more vocal. So the subtitle community, of course, were getting pissed because they would see these shows that they would want to see subtitles. And then a company wouldn't release subtitles. They would only release the dub. So, of course, they're mad. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. why there was this big debate because Absolutely. they were trying to vouch for their side so that they could get that product. Yeah. But and at the same time, though, you had the fact that dubs were – in a sense, subsidized because in pretty much every store you could get a dub tape for about $20 and then that same tape subtitled would cost you 30 And me being a poor high school student at the time, <laughs> you know, I bought dubs more out of economics than I did choice. Pretty much. And I just going on. And, and I think one of the reasons behind that, and I might be wrong about this, but I'm assuming, is that because you can print more, the per unit cost comes down. It's like when you get business cards made and you're like, I only want 10 business cards, right? Mm. Well, you're going to pay like, I don't know how much, but let's say like it's going to cost you like $40 for 10 business cards. You're like, holy crap, that's like four, you know, that's like $4 a a car. That's really expensive. But then if you wanted to pay, if you wanted like 50 business cards, oh, that's only going to cost you 50 bucks now, you know, because uh, because it takes with the transfers and all sorts of stuff. So that's why then the per unit cost comes lower, which is also another reason why subtitle people would want to debate that. And don't get me wrong, like even though I I do voiceover and I work in dubbing anime, like Mm -hmm. I still prefer to watch subtitled anime. Oh, wow. You're the second person to say that this weekend to me in an interview. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Second voiceover actor to say that to yes. you? Yes. Yes. Amanda Winley also told us the same thing, too. I prefer to watch – I that's – and not always, but, but I would say more often than not, like 90% of the time, I prefer to watch it in – and so, so I wanted to ask you about uh, your role in Eureka 7. Of course, you played Eureka. And the thing about that role in both languages, because I've watched the show in, in both versions, I, I enjoy both, is that Eureka is this character who on the surface just seems very uh, flat and emotionless, but there's much more to her than that. And she's the kind of character that from my experience watching bad dubs is very easy to get wrong and just have someone play her as exactly that flat and not put anything more into it. So how do you approach a character like that that has that sort of subtlety to her that there's more than just what you initially see at the very beginning when she first appears in the show? Well, I really don't think that any character is flat. The thing about Auraka, she's not a robot. She was a robot and she didn't have any other programming other than you know then you would play her as such but like she's she's clearly she clearly had some memory issues and there's clearly something else going on the tricky thing about it is that we don't get to see the entire series Mm -hmm. beforehand all we get to do is what we're doing at the time Mm -hmm. so like at the time in the early episodes i can't say that i knew what was going on in her in her character arc or in her story and nobody is giving me a book or a or even like a write-up of this is where the story goes like we don't get any of that you know so i don't know if the japanese actors get that because they get more contact with the creator maybe but we don't get that so the only thing that we can count on is if that if the show has already been made if somebody if a producer has already seen it and can like hip us to it 
But as actors, it's like you only have what the director tells you, you know. And as actors, we don't always we don't have access to producers necessarily. So for me, like I try to go off of the original performance as much as I can. Like if it sounds like there's something else going on, then there's something else going on. But I don't think at any time as an actor you ever think that something is simple or flat. Because I think like any character is more complicated than that. Like if you're not Well, I don't mean flat in terms of the characters tracing purposes, I mean flat in terms of the actual performance. Well, I mean, but but you know, no I don't think any actor is trying to give you a flat performance. You right. Know I mean? No, I know. It, it might end up sounding that way but i can't like i i can't really speak to that in terms of like how it ends up getting interpreted after the performance is out there all you can do is like as an actor speak to like what your motivations are what you're thinking what your intentions are um and how that fits in the overall overall whole with the piece for or something like um dubbing at least it's already animated and there's another reference there's a voice reference that you can go off of you know what i mean so i would say that like if i was dubbing something and the original japanese seemed flat then maybe it's supposed to be that way like that's where you take all of your cues from like you can't you know it it's it's hard to it's hard just because in this in terms of the situation like you're not given enough material or backstory and sometimes you try to keep it open and if you've seen enough anime you try to guess maybe where they're going but you there's really not you can't really know and uh before i open it up to everyone else for their questions while we're on the subject of eureka seven i just had a follow-up question <clears throat> the fact that uh, Funimation Entertainment licensed the sequel series Astral Ocean. So has there been sort of any dialogue with um, Funimation about bringing back people like you and Johnny Young Bosch to reprise the older incarnations of characters? I haven't really been following their progress with, um, with this TV show. That's really a Funimation question. You know, uh, that's not like, that's not uh, something that I know. <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, that's not something I can answer at all. If you can't, if you can't address it, then I guess we'll leave it right there considering. Yeah. If you and like, and I wouldn't even read that much into it. Like what that means. Like people love to say like, Oh, that means she's definitely talked to them or that means, you know, she's doing it or that means, you know, she knows something about it. Like that's not like, you real, like, so I can't tell you how many times. Sorry, there's a plane going. I live by the airport. <laughs> 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 but, like, uh, I can't. I can't tell you like how many times I get emails from people. Like, like some fans think that I have some control of the story. You know, or why you don't? don't or what? <laughs> or that I have some kind of control of if a sequel is made. Like actors are like the lowest on the rung of what needs to who who needs to be told what like half the time we don't even know if something's being released or not we don't get told and we're also told don't say anything about anything even if it doesn't even matter even if sometimes the information's already out there like Mm -hmm. so it's just one of those things where it's like i you really should be asking funimation Mm. fascinating especially with the in the world we live in there with a yeah and non-disclosure agreements well we'll uh, put that question to them then things were like uh, it's uh, kind of like it does make me annoyed because it's like you kind of put an actor on the spot like and i'm not i'm not saying i'm not getting mad at you at all like it's mm-hmm. not a big deal but like like if anybody is um if any like for for fans out there or for other people who do interviewing or journalism or whatever like it's like it, it puts the actor in a really weird position because we have to sign ndas all the time and we don't always know what's going on 
But then sometimes just by asking the question and not by just not like even though you didn't say anything either way, something gets interpreted and then all of a sudden it's on you, you know, like you might say something accidentally because you got asked something and then all of a sudden it's on you, you know, and you're legally bound to that. So it's like, I really wish that people would stop asking questions like that because the actors don't know. All the actors can talk about is like their job of what they've done. You know what I mean? Like, and then they can, and then beyond that, like you really should be talking to the marketing team or the licensing team, you know? And anytime there is a convention, they're out there in their booth. You know what I mean? Or you can send an email and ask, but like for some reason they always want to ask the actors that kind of stuff and we don't know i think that comes from the fact like uh, a lot of people a lot of people out there uh, they see the hollywood uh voice hollywood uh actors and think they know everything essentially so i guess they kind of apply that to some voice actors out there i feel like hollywood actors they probably don't know either like they're not gonna know what they're releasing they go in and they shoot their scene you know maybe it took them one day and all of a sudden it's like, when is this released or what, what is it? Blah, 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 blah. And like, sometimes I've, seen, I've seen interviews with people and the actors are like, they're like looking at the publicist. And mm-hmm. the thing about the Hollywood machine is like, it's easier because you, they have enough money and people take care of you. Like, you know, like yeah. they, they have, there's a publicist there that's saying like, you can say this. Oh, now this person's going to ask this and da, 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 da. And they help and they guide you through. For us, it's like, we're not making a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, yes. we're not. We're not like being in the limelight and doing a podcast is not getting me another job. You know what I mean? Whereas no offense, you guys. But like if I was like in the Hollywood machine, if I do an interview with a magazine and I'm on a cover, all of a sudden like, oh, people are talking about me more. Or I'm more in the thing. And it's like, they're going to want to hire me more. Do yep. you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be Absolutely. like, oh, like her star meter went up on IMDb or whatever, whatever. You know, it, it helps you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, the, the, but that's not like the world of like wow. voiceover. If anything, like I've been told for a while, I think shortly after Eureka 7, I wasn't getting cast a lot and stuff. Because basically the producer's like, yeah, she's been in a lot of leads. We're really sick of hearing her voice. Let's just can like, let's just not cast her, you know, don't oh, put her in sucks. the show. And, and, and so it's like, it's unfortunate because like, you're not, we don't make a lot of money, you know, like, so, but so then it really hurts when something like that happens, like where you're, where you're being punished for overexposure. That's, that's that's terrible that that happens i i, I didn't I, I i hear a lot of the i do hear a lot of the same voice actors and actresses in, in certain things but i i thought that's because they already have a body of work so you know they're they're the first go-tos for that but uh to be to be um too prolific that that's foolishness i mean you're you're a consummate professional so i mean i've why? never heard of that in any other industry yeah <laughs> well it's it, it's happened before it's uh, yeah, it's, it uh the, the michael Sarah effect oh the michael <laughs> Really? Perfect example. Damn. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but that was for good reason. Like <laughs> on camera, after you have a brand of like, you know what I mean? Like you're an image and you're selling that image and that brand. When you're just a voice, you know, like they don't think of you as a commodity, as a celebrity. Like we're not really a celebrity. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you don't like, sure, maybe there's fans of whatever, but then people are like, oh, I want to hear something different or I want to hear some. And I think there's ways and I think it's a valid point. I definitely think it's a valid point because you don't want to hear the same people doing the same stuff all the time, you know. But maybe instead of just saying like, oh, I'm not going to cast them, 
put them in a different type of role or, you know, like like there's Mm -hmm. ways to mix and match different things to still keep it alive and fresh instead of, um, instead of just saying like, we're not going to hire this actor. Yeah. This is a BS approach, but you're right. If they, um, actually put you in, um, in different kinds of roles, then, you know, they would show your range. So, you know, don't even give you a chance to do that when they just discard you all of a sudden. And part of it is too, is it's, it's like, you know, different companies, they all cast and hire separately, so they don't know. Yeah, that's you know, true. They don't know that, like, oh, I just got cast in a show, and then this other company just cast me in another show doing the exact same voice. Like, they don't know that. As a, they don't know because all that information is private from company to company. Very true. So, uh, Dal, I believe you had a couple of questions for Stephanie. Uh, yes, I do actually. Um, I wanted to know talk about. I wanted to know some of your experiences uh, for Kaon, the uh, the uh, the the band show essentially from that was once with Bandai Entertainment and eventually went to Sentai Filmworks. So, I'm kind of curious about some of your uh, it's uh, the experiences. Considering I had heard an interview with uh, with the marketing the former marketing director for uh, Bandai Entertainment, uh, Robert Nape. N- if I remember pronouncing his name right, but Napton. Napton. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I had heard an interview about that, and he said that's pretty much what it was like the last big show that Bandai had thrown put out there, doing like promotions here and there, uh, doing a band, <laughs> doing a, a live band, I guess you could say, with you and some of the other voice actors. So I wanted to know just like some of your experiences uh, doing, I guess you could say, effectively almost the last Bandai show that they, they did. So I wanted to know about that. Can was a lot of fun. Um, it was one of the few experiences, and Bandai has been really good to me, and I really like the guys who work there. The guys kind of knew what was going on at I think I want to say New York Comic Con or something like that they already from what I remember yes it was New York Comic Con they knew but they couldn't say anything and I think it was killing them and they were depressed because those guys say what you will they loved what they did yeah Robert uh, Napton actually talked about that uh, experience and he wasn't exactly the happiest guy that day That said, but, you know, a lot of them, they've moved on and they've done other things and, you know, and they're doing well. And so that's good for them because there isn't a lot of money making anime. And they'd probably be like making more money now than they were back then. But they they loved what they were doing. Kayana was really lucky with neither Christina V nor I had to audition for that part. And that's rare because in the anime world, you often have to audition. I mean, you always have to audition. There was only twice that I didn't have to audition and one of one time was one was for Elraka Seven, and the other one was for Kaon. Basically, what had happened was Bondi had just picked up the Elraka rights, and they wanted to announce that they were doing the show and that Bang Zoom was dubbing it. So they cut together a trailer, and they wanted to do it in English. So they and it was a last minute thing. And um, Kayako, the casting director at Bang Zoom, said, I think you'd be really good for this part and this voice. So would you mind coming in and doing this? It's the lead in the show, but it's just a trailer. And hopefully they'll love you so much in it that they'll keep you for the show. Um, And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And so I did that. And then after they aired the trailer at AX, you know, Bondi and everybody who watched it was very happy with it. So in a way that that job was kind of like an audition, but in a, but the way it's different is that nobody else was auditioning for that part. It was like, I got a chance to do this. And if they liked me, they would keep me. So I kept that job, but it wasn't like I was competing against other girls for that part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then with K-On, um, I was 
at Otakon and it was the Bondi panel and literally Ken just leaned over and was like, do you want to play Yui? And I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, he just offered me the job. Okay, my next question is, um, you're probably one of the most vocal voice actors I've heard that is pretty vocal about the, the whole piracy issue. And I know it's not, it's kind of a heavy question, especially in any conversation. So I would like to know just some of your would you just uh, like send a, say a few things about the whole piracy issue and your stance, of course, which I know. I think I've been very clear about my stance about piracy. Naturally. Uh, yeah. It's just that like you shouldn't steal what you just shouldn't steal. And I think that I've heard every sort of excuse mm-hmm. about it, but they're all excuses. And I totally understand. I don't have any money. I get it. That's why people steal. <laughs> That's why people steal jewelry, food and other things, you know, because you don't have any money. Doesn't make it right, though. You no, know it doesn't. I, it doesn't make it right. And I think that I think that the difference, the big difference is, is that anime is not Hollywood. You know, we're not making it. We're not making a lot of money. Um, and that that when you steal in that capacity, and you think, oh, nobody will notice. It's an. It's, I'm. I'm anonymous. I'm not affecting anyone. You're actually really are affecting people. And there, we have so many fans who want to go into the anime industry. And I kind of want to say, don't go into the anime industry because you can't make money there. Everybody works their butt off, and they're hardly making any money because you know. We can't make any money because most of they're not paying for a product. If there's no, if no one's paying for a product, how are you supposed to make money? You know, it's and and I know it seems like it's about money. It's whatever. It's not. I mean, it's ultimately like I think most people who live in this work in this industry love the industry and they do it for the love. But we have to make a living, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's purely just not right. There's other excuses that are just inaccurate, too. You know, like, oh, well, I only watch the subtitle. The interesting thing about what fans don't understand is that I can't just and that and and fan dubs and fan subs, it's still illegal, even though you're not making money because you don't have a right to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in this world, I think that like lots of times we turn a blind eye to t- some kind of stuff and like it's not a big deal and some people see it as a promotion or whatever. But um, you, these companies who release these, D- these, these DVDs and these anime products, it's not like they're like, hey, I, I want to I wanna make anime, so I'm just going to, oh, I like this show, I'm just going to dub it. They can't just do that on their own. They have to go to the Japanese companies and ask for the right to dub it ask for the right to subtitle it and produce a DVD. And in that process, they pay the Japanese company and it's a royalty. So it's a percentage of every single DVD sold, right? Mm. So if many fans who don't know this, and now keep in mind, I can speak this. I worked, I started out as a producer. I've written contracts, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they think, oh, well, I, I only like the, I don't even like the dub anyway. So I'm not stealing for anything. I support the Japanese. No, you're not. Because if you download something for free, you're not buying a product. You're not buying a DVD, you know, then you are taking money from the Japanese companies because the Japanese companies make a percentage off everything sold, every unit sold, you know? And I can't tell you like how many Japanese artists, creators, writers who don't even work in anime in Japan anymore because it's gotten to the point that they don't, they can't make money either. If it doesn't... Uh, there's if there's it, a lot of people who have a funny idea of what uh, supporting something means as, as we've seen uh, on the internet. 
whether it be promotion or other various methods. But yeah, I understand what you mean. This is why I kind of I kind of uh, look at the uh, I don't I know I'm going to probably get some hate mail out there, but this is kind of why I've turned my back on the bridge series, considering it's not exactly I've know I know a lot of people who basically just watch the abridged series of various anime shows and various other shows and don't even buy the real product because they say, well, it's just it's a free product streaming essentially. It's basically what it comes down to. So it's a, just a different. It's the same show just by some different person, and it's it's just not it's not the same. That's all there is well, to it. It's have the right. It's really do they have the right? Do they have the right to abridge it and release it as a product? Did I they really, go to the original content creator and ask for the right and pay for that right to do it? Obviously if, not. In, in most they, cases, no. <laughs> if they didn't, then it's stealing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I can't so. go. I can't go. And purchase a book, right? Mm-hmm. I can't go and purchase a book from that is being. I can't go like the. I can't go and take Harry Potter and say, "Hey, look, I'm gonna edit the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take this book and I'm gonna edit it to the best parts. Now I'm gonna print it and sell it, you know. Or I'm not gonna print it and sell it. I'm just gonna print it out and give it away for free, so you guys don't have to buy copies of Harry Potter. You know, I'm not even making money, but I'm just doing that as a public service to everybody because I like what I abridged, a abridged version of Harry Potter. You think you wouldn't be arrested and, and put in jail? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, you, it's because you're affecting, you don't have the right to that, you don't have a right to that property. Exactly. You don't, it's, you're not, it's not owned by you. And I get it. I, I, I mean, I've been young before. And the other thing that people don't know, I started out as a fan subber. Ooh, that I did not know. <laughs> That's a new one by me. So, and and now if you're going to say like, oh, it's double standard. You know what? I was wrong. I was yeah. uneducated and I was wrong and it was not cool. That said, it was totally a different time. Now you can yeah. fan sub so easily. Back when I fan subbed, we was still VHS tapes. And oh, yeah. you had to literally what they called anal timing. You had to tweak things over and over again for the timing. You had to like, you had to like, you had to put a chip in your computer or in substation alpha. Like it was all, it was tons of work. Just doing a 30 minute show could take you like two to three weeks. Yep. And now, cause everything's digital now, you can do it so quickly. You know what yeah, I mean? It's a totally and, different world. And you know, you had a very different situation where there was barely an anime industry back at the time and people were doing right. this stuff. Yeah. And you know, you'd be waiting years and years just to get some copy of a tape recorded off of exactly. Japanese TV. That's fifth generation copied over from the comic book store guy. And it looks <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Versus, you know, anyone who these days just rips an HD broadcast and has some sloppy sub out in 30 minutes after the broadcast. Right, exactly. And also the other thing, too, that back when I was in my fans, this fancy group that I was in, we didn't we didn't distribute. We, I mean, we didn't sell. Mm-hmm. We never sold any of our tapes. We traded. Mm-hmm. So that means we would put we put like months and months of work into subtitling and we would trade for somebody else who put months and months of work into subtitling. And that's how we got our, that's how we got anime. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to put it up there for free. Anybody who wants it, pay me some money, you know. And a lot of these foreign sites, they're like, they post it and then they make money off of advertising on their site. They're actually making money. They're yeah. making money off when you go and you visit that site, how many clicks or whatever. You are making these people money who have stolen anime from the anime industry and let you have it for free. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I do have a follow-up to that. Uh, I'm curious because there's, there's a dedicated subgroup 
of um, anime fans who have, you know, they don't just randomly download stuff. They they do it as a way of life, and they have their own justifications, ridiculous justifications for why they think that that's acceptable. So for having a stance like that, have you ever encountered uh, online from people pushback against your statement? Like, oh, you're just, yeah, you just want to make money, so of course you think it's bad, blah, 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 you know, that sort of thing. I will say this. I don't make money. I mean, I, I don't I do not do anime voiceover. I didn't get into this business because I wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, if I wanted to make money, I would have gone and pursued my uh, computer programming, you know, or something else. Or I would have done more producing, you know. Um, I, it's not. And in terms of what I make as an actor, I've done original animation, you know, uh, in terms of voiceover. I've done voiceover for original animation. I've done voiceover for video games. I've done voiceover for commercials, for radio spots, for anything. Every single one of those things pays more money than anime. And I know so many actors because in LA, I know I know actors who will not come will not come in and do anime because it pays too little. Yep. Or that they don't they they like, oh, I spend that much in gas. Like, you know what I mean? They they that's that's because of the money, but a bunch of us still do it. And I, and I truly like, I started as a fan, you know, I love the genre. I want to see it thrive. And what I think is so tragic is that it's fandom that has been killing it. That said, that said, I will say this. I, I do think that the anime industry needs to come up with a better distribution plan. I'm not going to like, I will always speak out against fans bootlegging and pirating because I think it's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that set, and I'm not saying like, oh, you're such a horrible person because of it, but like, come on, you know what between right and wrong and you know that it's wrong and stop kidding yourself. And, And I will own up to having been a fan supper. I will own up to having watched free downloaded, free downloaded pirated stuff, whether it be, and I, and, and I actually stopped doing that. Like my friend gave me all of Doctor Who, which I love, you know, he mm-hmm. had, he had given me, like when I started watching, he's like, oh, I got stuff for you to watch, you know, but it was all free downloaded pirated stuff. And you know, I, at, at, at some point I was like, this is not cool. I cannot speak out against anime and just say, oh, because this is a bigger industry. It's okay. Cause I'm not hurting anybody, you know, that's BS. So I stopped doing that. And I don't watch all these shows that I used to watch because I can't get access to it. If I can't, if I can't afford to spend the money to purchase it and I can't, and I can't, and I can't find a way to, even if I can't find a way to get it and it's not released here, I now won't, I, I'm not going to watch it for free. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it sucks. Sure. I want it, but that's a rule that I, because it's not right because I'm taking from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that said right. though, yeah, the anime industry needs to come up with a better me- a method because the truth of the matter is that as much as I speak out as, as much as I, and I personally won't do it and I don't want other fans to do it, you can't control other people's behavior. And ultimately anybody, anybody in any terms, how are they not going to be tempted by something for free? The majority of the people, because they're anonymous, you know, they're going to try to want to get it for free. Anytime. Yeah. You know, you put two things in front of somebody and one is cheaper. They're going to go for the cheaper version, especially in this economy. Nine that's times just, out of ten. That's, <laughs> yeah, nine times. That's just, and, and for the industry to put everything on the fandom and be unwilling to change and unwilling to come up with a, with a new business model, then you know what? Part of the responsibility of the fact that the industry is dying is also on them. Like they yep. could not adapt to change. They're unwilling to adapt to change. Well, we've seen when, when so change I, can I, happen. So well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, then that's why, like, I've been really pissed off 
about when I've come to, I, I did an autograph session like one time, and I don't know why people don't know this. The fact mm-hmm. that Gundam Unicorn is a simultaneous release. It's an international release. There is no Japanese versus English release. The mm. English language comes on the international Blu-ray and, well, no DVD, but Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Well, well, back when Bondi was around, there was DVD. But, yeah. um, but that that happens. And in order for that to happen, so many sleepless nights, blood, sweat, and tears from all of the actors, from the writers, from the director, from the Japanese producer. It's so difficult because we have such a limited amount of time. And if the Japanese deadline, if they are running late, then we get we get crunched because the release date doesn't change. And we have to do all, we have to basically move mountains to make sure that there's an English dub on that international release so that the fans, the American fans, do not have to wait for it. Which is absolutely amazing. Well, we were shocked to see that news when it actually, when the news dropped for that and we all watched the first Blu-ray just to have that all on there and and to be able to experience the the show at the same time as the Japanese was an amazing feat. It's not something that happens a lot nowadays and you figure it would. And the fact that the matter is like... yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing too to that side is the fact that uh, Gundam Unicorn is available on the P- on PSN too. I can if I really yeah, wanted to, totally. I could actually purchase it and rent it off the PSN, yeah. which I have done a couple times just to see the episode. And we've done all of that because the fans have given us excuses about oh, the English doesn't come fast enough. Oh, there's no uh, downloaded version. Oh, there's no this and that. And I so all we've done everything we could in terms of that. And I have still people coming up to me in an autograph line that to my face will have said like, I'll, you know, cause when I, when they say, Oh, oh great job on Gundam Unicorn. I'll be like, Oh, thanks a lot. How, like just out of curiosity, like, did you get the Blu-ray or did you see it at a convention? If you want to see it, at, if you want to see it for free, go to a convention that's screening it. You know what I mean? At least yes. do that. That's probably the cheapest way, you know, <laughs> but I've had to come through autograph line and, and tell me like, Oh no, I just downloaded it. When I average during Gundam production and I average two hours to three hours to sleep a night uh-huh. and I'm killing myself, I'm probably literally costing years off of my life wow. to do that. And for someone to say that to me, like I'm angry. You know what I mean? I'd like, be livid. Yeah, that's, that's pretty to- low. They, that's, like, they- that's, that's like going up to somebody and saying, hey, I broke into your house. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> well, at least... <laughs> Great work. I'm a real big fan of your work. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not a fan. No. Because you're still Exactly. You know? At least at least have the, 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 the tact to either just say nothing or or, or just say nothing. <laughs> Let, you know? Let's right. let's move on. Let's yeah. anyway. <laughs> think, anyway, yeah, since we're on the subject that, of, of yeah. unicorn, um, it's obviously something that um, We've talked about a lot on this show. So since this is a, an international production, I'm curious, how involved is um, Sunrise with the English adaptation since, as you mentioned, it has to be coordinated for this release that's also on the Japanese discs? They are extremely involved. Um, at every single recording session, there is a producer from Sunrise there. And there's actually two representatives. One is a former Bondi Entertainment employee who's now freelancing. Um, I think he's freelancing for Sunrise. And then there's a proper, there's a, there's an actual um, Sunrise. Would that be uh, Mark Simmons? Staffed employee there at, no, Mark Simmons is not. Mark Simmons is a consultant that Sunrise right. hires. That so, But the script, let's see, I am looking at Gundam Unicorn 6 right now. Mm-hmm. The final recording draft of the script is labeled the sixth draft. Wow, the sixth? So that means <laughs> that 
it has through what five rewrites. Yep. So that and that's really rare. So basically, usually with anime, you get a first draft and that's it, or you get a first draft and notes and that's it. And the mm-hmm. fact that Gundam goes through six apps, that's a, for anime, that's a huge deal. You have how many pairs of eyes do you have looking at it? You generally, we generally have the writer, then Akane, then Nobuo and Mark Sims. And then at the very end, I think somebody from Bondi Visual also weighs in. So you have six different people reading that script, giving notes. Mm-hmm. So they're extremely, extremely involved. And I imagine a lot of that focus, um, since this, this is Gundam and such a long-running franchise, would go towards just the plethora of terminology that gets thrown out, you know, Minoski particles, mobile suit names, all all of that assorted um, information. Yeah, uh, and that's where Mark comes in really handy because sometimes Mark even knows the history a little bit better than the Sunrise employees. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically, uh, a lot of that has to do with that. And sometimes, and also Gundam is not, it's written really vague sometimes. It's mm-hmm. not, very obvious and sometimes it's alluding to some things and right. so there can be a lot of discussion back and forth. <clears throat> sometimes we'll get a note and say oh this refers to blah blah blah, blah, blah. and then two drafts later we're like oh we were wrong actually it's this blah blah blah, blah you know so um a lot of it some of it has to do with terminologies and others it has to do with like history and other things also you have to keep in mind that gundam unicorn is based on a series of novels mm-hmm. so then there's also there's that to be referenced as well. I'm curious, um, <clears throat> since Unicorn has had such a long production schedule, even at the start and now, you know, a year per episode, these long gaps in between episodes, does that have any um, effect on, you want to say, when you're slipping back into the shoes of Audrey of playing this character you know, between these such, uh, these long gaps? I don't, like, for Audrey, not so much. I think the voice acting is not, it, I, I don't, I don't really slip into it and the director is there and you know Michael is there and the producers are there and we can always play references and also I write the scripts or I have been since episode three I think Mm -hmm. so I'm producing it and coordinating it and writing the scripts so even before I step into the booth I have all this prep work that I'm just doing by doing my job do you know what I mean Absolutely. So I, I don't that, – that would be more of a question for some of the other actors. Maybe it's more difficult to, for them to remember what happened like half a year ago, you know. Um, but for me, not so much. It's more difficult in the script writing process when I don't remember what happened or what's this allude to. Like, you know, at the top of the episode, I'm like, wait, what just happened? What was that battle? And then like, <laughs> who's fighting who? And they'll have to read the previous script and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. And that happens more at the script stage, not so much as an actor. So to give people an idea of how much work goes into this, um, how much work typically uh, do you all put in just to get one episode dubbed? How long is that process? The the process from when we get the materials to um, it being completed, I would say is probably a little bit less than two months. Wow. So we have usually about a week and a half to record it. And we generally have maybe a week to translate it and about a week and a half to write the script. So if you think about it, a week and a half to write the script and there's six drafts, think about how much back and forth and how oh, many man. In, in that time. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, I send it off and then I get to wait for three days or, you know, it's like everybody and that and that's everybody involved. The people giving the notes, the people like, you know, everybody is working their butt off on it. You know, with that small amount of time, yeah, that's, that's that's definitely a crunch time situation where, you know, you just 
I, I can't even envision it. <laughs> I, was, I, can't, I, was, I can't even imagine, considering like I thought I had a hard time just editing one episode of I, a I, podcast. I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can, Paul. I, I'm a, I'm in some very technical stuff and understand deadlines very, very, very much. So, <laughs> and just to be under the gun all and, the time, and and, and, and revisions and yeah. re-edits. So, so Goodness. anybody else have any uh, questions on Unicorn while we're at the subject, uh, Solbro? Not so much on Unicorn. Yeah. I, I do have some questions though. But I have one question for for Unicorn, and this will basically be the only one I have for it, which is, uh, what's it like to play Audrey in comparison to all the other characters that you play? Considering you tend to also play uh, really high pitch, uh, hyperactive girls, or sometimes just shy out girls. So I'm kind of curious, like, what's it like playing Audrey when you first got cast for the role to now? I will say this: I, I don't think I have a very good barometer on on Audrey. I leave a lot of that up to the other people in the room. I do my thing, I take direction and I don't because I don't I don't feel like I know, you know. I think it's really difficult. She's pretty much my own speaking voice with a little bit of airs, but it's hard because it's so it's hard for me to judge if she's being too strong or not strong enough or not feminine enough because she's very she, she's different with different people. So I know the ballpark of like where she's supposed to lie, but I really, it's really one of those, it's really one of those things where like, I don't feel she's one of the characters. I actually don't feel like I own so much that I leave that up to the other people that I'm working with to really help, help narrow in and focus where she's supposed to be at from moment to moment. And that's not, I I don't say that about all the other characters. Like I know Hinata, I know, like I know in my gut, like, how she would react if that's Hinata ask if that's not, you know, like I, I know, like if you're talking about lucky star Akira, like I know exactly like how much, where to take her. And I feel like a lot of those choices are me, you know, for Audrey, I know generally what her personality is like. I know where her, where she sets in her voice and I can give you a bunch of different reads of how I feel like her character might react in the situation, but I don't necessarily know among those five or six different reads which one in my gut is the right answer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's that's where I leave it up to the other people in the room. I'm curious then, um, do you feel that anything about her character has clarified over time for you, particularly in episode six where she plays a much bigger role and sort of taking a definitive stand on you know, what it is that she needs to be doing and the role that she's playing in this conflict? I mean, it's never, that's never been the question, I guess. It's just that I feel like she's hard to read. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like in my gut, I don't necessarily know exactly which response. I could feel like, oh, she might respond this way or this way. I mean, I don't feel like that has that much clarity. I think it also might, I think one of the frustrations or like one of the, maybe why I don't have so much clarity is like, I did that first episode really sick. Oh, really, really? really? I had a really bad cold the entire time. And Mm. so I think it's hard when you start something sick, then I just feel like I never got to really establish locally, you know, and that's like six months between each thing and maybe even a year, then I don't, it's just, it's just harder to pinpoint, you know? Well, if I, if I may compliment you, I didn't even notice. (laughs) Neither did I. You you certainly uh, had us fooled because I'd have never. Going and neti potting. Really. (laughs) I love the neti potty. It's great. <laughs> it's bailed me out many times. Uh, I, I my my job is talking to people, so um, I've I've had to rock that myself. And um, yeah, I didn't notice either. If anything, you did a great job uh, getting through that sickness doing that first episode. 
So yeah, I'll pass back to Chris. Uh, that was my only. So question bro, for your the your questions then. I, I've got two. Uh, the one one of the questions I had was about the anime piracy thing, but you answered that beautifully. So thank you for that. Um, I also got to say that I, I really enjoyed you, and I don't know if you remember this role all that much, but I enjoyed you as a uh, Kumi Mashaba in Fighting Spirit. I'm a big Hajime no Ippo fan, and I own that whole series on DVD. And um, I really enjoyed your character in that series. So uh, thank you for doing that show. Hey. Oh, you're welcome. Um, uh, one of my what? Epcar, right? He directed that. Yeah, Richard Epcar. Yeah, we, we talked about that briefly when he was on. And uh, it's a long series, too. And, um, yeah, when, when they finally introduced your character, I, I know that, uh, you know, if anything, it was it was cool to hear your voice uh, play her. And uh, aside from uh, Steve Staley playing Ippo, so it was really cool to, to see you in there. I guess my first question is, uh, it, it, it goes into the realm of the video game roles you've done. You've you played some notable video game characters like uh, Rebecca Chambers from Resident Evil and one of my favorites, uh, Julia Chang from uh, Tekken in uh, Tekken 6 and Tekken Tag Tournament too. Um, but uh, you, I, I've read that you've done motion capture um, for, uh, I'm not sure if these are the only two games you've done it for, but um, you did it for Ninja Gaiden 3 as uh, Kana and um, Cereza in uh, Bayonetta. How was that experience? That's really fun. Motion capture is really, really fun. Um, yeah, I did do it for, those are the, those are the only two video games that I've done it for. I did, I did, I did do motion capture for something that is was a test pilot for something that they're trying to develop, oh. um, which I think is it's still under NDA, so I can't say, even though they released the trailer of it. Anyway, it's interesting. It's a totally different thing because... It's a, it's just a different skill. It's not mm-hmm. like on camera acting because you have to kind of be a little bit bigger with your movements, but yet still be natural. And I'm a very small, petite person, which is why I mo-capped kids. Um, but it, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I have a new respect for motion capture actors and all that they have to do. And I, I want to do more of it, you know. I want to do like tough chicks and stuff and, and all that jazz, but I, would, I would just get hired to play kids. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the bayonetta stuff was really fun because I actually got flown to Japan and I was there for a week mocapping in Japan. That's wow, that's really awesome! And, and uh, I think that game was made by uh, Platinum Studios. I or, or uh, there's some some group related to them, but uh, yeah, that game was insane. <laughs> And I, it must have been a lot of uh, fun, fun mocapping that you did for that game, as as well as uh, for Ninja Gaiden Three. But um, uh, you definitely sound like a longtime anime fan. And my second question is, uh, what was the first anime that you were exposed to, and um, uh, that made you a lifelong fan? Um, the first anime that I think I was well exposed to is hard because like the first anime that I remember watching as a kid, but I didn't realize it was anime was Voltron. Oh yeah, and, and Robotech. There you go. <laughs> so, something about those two shows that I loved, and they were different from any other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize it was because it was anime. And then I didn't get reintroduced to anime until college. And then those shows that that and I. I mean, I was pretty lucky because these are like life, like these are like industry changing classic shows when I got reintroduced to them. Mm -hmm. Um, It was Eva and Escaflone. Escaflone, wow. Escaflone. um, And then I think I saw some Marmalade Boys players. But like Escaflone and Eva is what the anime club was watching. And that's what those were the shows that I watched. And, and it was like I it was I was pretty much gone as soon as I watched it because it was like, you know, those shows, the the first couple episodes of Escaflone and Eva, they are major cliffhangers. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I just had to 
I was just hooked. Well, uh, if anything, uh, that, thank thank you for uh, for being as involved as you are in the industry. I know it doesn't, as you mentioned, it doesn't pay a lot, but uh, I think you've done a lot of great work. And uh, I will pass the mic back over to Chris. Neo, you have any questions before we wrap things up? Yeah, actually, I have two, and and uh, I'd like to say thank you for your. I was kind of enraptured with your discussion of piracy. Oh yeah, and all the things that go into it because um, I think a we lot, all were uh, <laughs> right. Um, but I, I think it was very interesting um, because a lot of it is, is things that I kind of personally feel and, and some things that we've discussed on the show in the past. But my question regarding that is um, it seems that you're pretty vocal about this and, and you don't have a problem telling people. Has, have you um, experienced any uh, backlash from yeah, the uh, totally. quote-unquote fandom? And just um, totally. how bad is that or is it is it something that's just kind of – been you know uh, increasing or is it just now at this point they're like uh we know what she's about and they just kind of stay away what, especially when um, you like you see know, them you know, at like a been, convention or something it's been pretty quiet on the piracy front maybe because i haven't spoken out about it as much um recently but um i i've actually received tweets from people saying how can you live with yourself and the lies that you've read in wow overly dramatic much <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, they're and they're entitled to your own opinion, and it's not true. So, I mean, I think it's I don't really take much stock into it. If anything, I feel I don't I don't hate them. I don't feel you know. I just feel like it's really sad. They're uneducated. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I think that they, I would like to assume, and I might be wrong, is that they just they don't know. You know what I mean? They they don't know. They're misinformed, and and it's much easier for somebody to call me names and think I'm a horrible person than it is for them to think, oh, I might, there might, I might be not such a great person because I'm doing something really bad. You know what I mean? No, I, it's easier I for somebody you. to put off them. So, yeah. I mean, on one, so that's why I don't, it doesn't bother me too much. I mean, I, I get disappointed and I get frustrated, but I don't ever get like angry at that person per se, you know, it, yeah, it's just frustrating. There's a second part to that question. Was there, that I feel like I'm not answering um, um, no, it's just basically uh, just seeing if there was any like confrontations or anything like that, if that's something you normally receive like at uh, conventions and stuff. Because we, we know sometimes that um, people in this fandom seem to be a little bit more uh, venomous on the virtual world more than the real world. So I was just kind of wondering if it was mo most of those attacks were via the safety of the Internet as opposed to, uh, you know, and personally, it, it's definitely always been on the Internet. No one's ever tried to oh. do anything or say anything to me in person. Yeah, so. bastards. Well, <laughs> that's good. Um, my second question is, and, and this is something that I've been kind of thinking about for a while. And it's it's a it's a question that um, it's kind of come come from a lot of the interviews that we've done lately with a lot of these voice actors. Um, we're, we're noticing that a lot of things are going via uh, Funimation through um uh, th through the, I guess they're based out of Texas with a lot of uh, a lot of actors in um, the Southern California area and stuff like that. Uh, do you see is this is there any type of um, I guess I'm trying to phrase this in a way that would be very politically correct. Uh, is there any trepidation that um, maybe Funimation might be pulling some type of um, kind of monopoly or anything? On, uh, no, no, I don't think it has to do with that. I think that I like to work. I have I've made friends at conventions with the people in Texas. They're fun. Truth be told, most of the time when I go to Texas, you know, like they don't fly me out and they don't put me up. So 
I have to pay my own way to get there. Right. Um, generally, they give me enough work so that I at least break even. But from a financial standpoint, it's I'm not really making money. I'm either breaking even or making a you know a couple bucks from doing the work that I do at Funimation. But I do it because one, I love to be in anime. I love doing the work, and two. It's an excuse for me to go uh, get a few days away and I have some dinners and catch up with some of my friends in Texas. So it's really more to do with that, you know, um, than anything else. Um, I I don't think. Oh, go ahead. I don't I'm not moving to Texas. I don't think there's other, you know, and I don't think I don't think that we're for me personally. I don't think that there's going to be a monopoly either. I think that like Funimation can only handle so many titles. There's always going to be other people wanting to do stuff at other places, you know, like other studios. If anything, it's more about a financial thing. Like if if certain, there's always going to be a studio to be like, I can do it cheaper, you know. But as long as to me, the actors are getting paid a decent amount and that we can maintain a certain like level of standard for that for the industry, then I'm, I'm okay with that, I guess. You know, I, I don't I don't really care where the work comes from. Yeah. The, you know, it, 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 just, yeah. it bothers me if, like, a new studio comes and says, oh, they got the job because they underbid, mm-hmm. because they, they, you know, like, let's say several studios were fighting for the job, and then a new studio comes and says, oh, I can do it cheaper. And if they can do it cheaper in whatever way, as long as the quality is respectable, and as long as they pay the actors a decent amount, I'm fine. What bothers me is if a new studio comes and says that they can get it cheaper and then and basically wants to pay everybody a lot less than right. have an issue with that you know do, do you think um and and i don't know the status of it but do you think um the ability of improving like uh teleconferencing and stuff like that is that going to start making maybe this a little bit easier where it is a way that they can cut costs by if you're you know if they're based in texas you're based in california they want you for a part is the technology at a point that it's the same as you being in the room doing it? Or, I mean, is is this some type of model that they might be looking at in they, the future, do you think? They, they do that for other types of recording. The, mm. the main issue is the ADR portion of it. Because okay. we have to patch the picture for anime, mm-hmm. it's much more complicated. And there's software out there that will allow you to do it. But basically... It's still both not as good. Studios, both studios, all studios, all both studios on both sides have to have it. And it's sometimes kind of kludgy. So to put all of that work just to do that, it's mm. when you have actors locally, it doesn't seem worth it. You know, right. when so it's all this extra work and, uh, and you have to invest in software and all this stuff. And and you could just do it just as easily with actors in your own hometown. Then why go through all of that? You know? Yeah, no, I, I didn't know because I know with, um, you know, technology has helped in a lot of areas and I just didn't know if it had gotten to that point where that would be something they would see as kind of uh, economically viable. So, okay. And that, that answers my question. So back to you, Chris. All right. Well, um, sort of uh, wrap things up. Just two quick questions in closing. First, aside from episode six of Unicorn, are there any um, recent or upcoming releases people should watch for you in? I don't. Oh, I'm so bad at this. I should have prepared. <laughs> um, I don't know what I can say. I mean, I mean, like, like upcoming, as in, like, you know, it's already been solicited. It comes out within the next, you know, know. few weeks or month. That sort it's of thing. Not like, far in the future. Lagrange is still going on, and then Blue Exorcist, I guess. Oh. And then I'm on a few new other new shows, but I don't think I can say on those new shows. 
Although if people follow me on Twitter, I did work on something that was I produced and I have a part in something that is on camera that is sci-fi. Oh, nice. That's uh, it's like a test kind of like a it's a test thing. And we're going to do like a, a kind of like a what you call it, a crowdsourcing campaign. Mm-hmm. So people can um, can uh, donate money to to help us finish to get the production and hopefully make it a series. It, the premise of the show, the show is called Hollow Ship. And the premise of the show basically is, um, it, it's like, you know how you have a, the holodeck on Star Trek? Oh, yeah. Yep. So everything is a holog- hologram. And you, the idea is in the future, there is a ship where they take that technology and they have incorporated it into every aspect of the ship. Oh. So that they only have to build the ship to be functional and everything else, all of the interface is controlled by holographic technology. So it was called, it's, it's a hollow ship. And what happens is the computer and the system programming breaks down mm-hmm. and the captain is on in the holodeck because there's still a holodeck. He's in the holodeck jogging and the holodeck is projecting uh, 21st century Los Angeles. And when they enter like a, I think I want to say it's like asteroid field or something or meteorites and the, the program breaks down and it, so now the program is stuck in 21st century Los Angeles, but they're really aboard the ship and the crew has to figure out how to get home and how to, you know, that's basically the premise of the show that we're working on. So interesting. And is this going to be on uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or one of these other crowdfunding sites? I think it's going to be on Indiegogo, but um, they do have a Facebook page and a Twitter, so you can either follow me and search for it there, but it's just at Ship, like H-O-L-L-O-W ship.com. Mm-hmm. Or no, at, at Twitter, sorry, no, no .com. Uh, yeah, so it's on Facebook, and there's and you can, you know, if the people want updates, because we haven't launched the campaign yet, because we're still kind of trying to, you know, get materials together and make sure that, like, when we go, it's all nice and good. But, yeah, if people are interested in that. Simply. Well, it definitely uh, sounds like something that's right up our alley, what we discussed. So, uh, absolutely, we would certainly love to talk to you about that once it comes into fruition. Yeah, and you know what? I could probably get um, some of the other people who worked on it to come and talk about it, too, so it's not just me blabbing the entire time. Absolutely. Well, and uh, closing question, any upcoming convention appearances and also where could people find you on the internet? Okay, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I will have just done SoccerCon. <laughs> um, <laughs> this year, I am going to Anime Boston, and I believe I believe I'm going to AFO Anime Florida Orlando. Oh wow, that's in my backyard! Wow, that's cool. So, Take although notes I, over. I don't think I've announced yet, but I will be. <laughs> and I think that's it actually for this year so far. Well, in, re- uh, in regards to AFO, it's a very awesome convention. I hope you really enjoy your time there. It'll be my first time. I'm very excited. Um, and then, uh, and to find me on the internet, um, I have a Facebook page, and it's you know it's it's geared to the fandom. I, I don't accept fans to my personal page, Not mostly totally. for I mean a little bit for my own privacy, but mostly for the privacy of my friends and coworkers. Mm-hmm. Is that, that they don't they don't want that. Sh- shared with strangers you know to them so much you know um and i have a twitter it's just at stephanie shay um but the i think like my facebook fan page and my twitter is 
are probably the best places to keep in touch. Or and I'll I'll answer if you message me, I'll answer you. I mean, if you if you write something that doesn't have to like if you don't ask me a question or something, if you're, you're just like, hey, I like your work, I probably won't reply because I don't know what to say in reply. Like I'm probably like, oh, thank you. But like if you ask me a question, I usually uh, I I'll I'll respond to you. It might take me a while. It might be like two months later, but. I'll <laughs> knows this oh my god like, I, just, I feel so bad for him he's like hey, he's so patient and he just you know kept following up like ah i'm sorry i'm just okay i'm back Wait, i'm sorry no i can do it no i can't do it so it's okay it's that's part of my job and he does it well <laughs> it's a, it's in his contract <laughs> yeah the verbal one the verbal. <laughs> anyway uh stephanie thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. For all of our listeners, uh, if you've supported Stephanie's work, please continue to do so. Check out Unicorn Episode 6 on PlayStation or get the Blu-ray version. And uh, we definitely would look forward to having you uh, in the future again to talk about this uh, sci-fi project. So we will uh, keep watching that and see how that campaign goes. Thanks a lot. It was fun. And that's it for this segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We have a problem. We need to set up a perimeter. Who is this? Isn't this the coach of the baseball team? No, you have the wrong number. This is Shirley Douglas's residence. Really? Yes, I should know. She's my mother. Your mother? You still live with your mother? How old are you? I'm hanging up now. Kiefer, who was that? Gun- Damn it, Mom! I told you to knock before you come in! In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning, In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with her sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls. Warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses 
to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chapman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool! In a world where podcasting is king, you are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. So concludes episode 121 of Gundam at MHQ. In this episode, we uh, spoke uh, spoke about and reviewed the sixth episode of Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. And then we had a voice actor interview with Stephanie Say, who, by the way, is also the voice in the English translation of Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. And she plays the part of Audrey Burns slash uh, Maneva Zabi. So... Um, Definitely want to thank her for that, and thank you, uh, Delo, for getting in touch with uh, Miss Shea there. Um, and before we uh, move on, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, mailbag, and of course, Chris has got some voicemails, and I do believe uh, your regular posts on the um, mailbag thread in the Gundam section of the Mechatalk forum. So, Chris, it's up yes. to you. We take your voicemails at 305-792-8324, and we're catching up. We do have quite a bit of a backlog, so we're doing three this episode. The first two voicemails come from listener Animalia, so we're just going to play both of them back-to-back and then respond to the two. I was wondering your thoughts of, of the portrayal of the, the atomic bomb, or at least the magical atomic bomb, in Escaplone final finale. I think it was interesting because given that Japan is the only nation to be atomic bomb, they usually like to look themselves as victims and only the bad guys use nukes. Nukes. However, in this version, in version the good guys use it out of a sense of desperation and it's clear that the bad guys are the ones being nuked. Even so, they still, still don't, they still give knowledge to the Japanese feeling that it was over the top. That's my take on it anyway. This is really for chaos theater in terms of subject matter. I really like to get it. Chris isn't, I mean, Solbro's and Neo's answers to this as well. Anyways, my question is, are there any comic strips you, you like, or, like past or present that really stuck with you? And if so, what are moments that stick out? For me, the all-time one is Calvin and Hobbes with moments such as the story where the little raccoon died. Dies, which uh, dies, which are touching me, or some of, of the more ironic ones, where when Calvin sh- does show his more creative side, if side he gets in trouble for it, like in a snowman comic where he's showing a bunch of weird snowman statues, 
Kevin says, Mom and Dad don't value hard work and originality as much as they say they do, and that kind of subtle satire. Okay, so to the first question about good guys in anime using nukes, it's not all that uncommon and precedes Escafone because if you recall, back in Shar's counterattack, Bright was using nukes to try to stop Axis. So mm-hmm. we've seen this before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, of course, mm-hmm. you're always going to have something about the, the nuclear bomb. Uh, with Jap- Japan because it's so entrenched with their society. So he he also mentioned about Japan be uh, playing as the victim when it comes to uh, to 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 the nuclear bomb. But I'll, I'll just say that I, I I'm never for a nuclear bomb being used on any any place, including us. So <laughs> if anything, I I can understand where they play themselves as the victims. Of course, you could take the politics in World War II into effect. But um yeah um if anything i I know that uh, there was a generation that came up after that event so you know a lot of times that generation didn't actively play a role in the war so of course they're going to feel that way when it comes to uh nukes being used and and how it's depicted in fiction so So by the same token we're further we're another generation further removed from that so it's becoming less of an issue Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so so bro nukes nukes are bad huh (laughs) i'd rather not them be incorporated I just don't feel like getting that nuclear breeze after the fact. <laughs> or that third arm. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Or look, basically looking like one of the uh, underground people from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or that fish from The Simpsons. <laughs> yes, that fish from The Simpsons. <laughs> and to the second question about comic strips, uh, Amalia mentioned Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I don't regularly read comic strips but i did used to read way way back in the day a lot the far side and i greatly enjoyed that when mm-hmm. it was running yeah i used I, to have I, several collections of far side yeah and i second the one about calvin and Hobbes. definitely uh definitely a funny comic strip yeah yeah, yeah i enjoyed that one as well and i have a uh one collection of that so those will probably be my my two that i have followed in the past yeah. I know for me, um, Calvin and Hobbes is definitely uh, holds a place in my heart as well. Um, the Boondocks, definitely something I used to read constantly um, whenever we, our paper would carry it, because there would be times where they wouldn't, because it would always be controversial way back then. But then we got the animated series, so that, that even worked out better. A friend of mine actually used to draw the Boondocks in the early 2000s. Her name is Jen- Jennifer Sang. She was the ghost artist for the weekly um, publications of the uh, of the comic strip, and I I, um, I used to talk to her all the time back when she was doing it, so it was pretty cool to, to have that connection. Um Foxtrot was a, a comic strip that I used to read a lot when I was a kid. And when I moved down to Orlando in 93, it wasn't in the Orlando Sentinel, so I kind of missed that. Um, another one is Bloom County. I always thought that Bloom County it was always insightful and um, a pretty a pretty solid comic strip. And if I had to bring out a comic strip that I read today, it's, um, it, it's not even published in the paper. A lot of comic strips, some of the better ones, are online now. And uh, Penny Arcade is always amusing to read. So um, that's something I wanted to, to throw out there as well. But those are my well, comic get strips. into web comics. Hey, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there's a bonus that's he all. said comic strips hey it is a comic strip and i'm just throwing out there's a bonus i, I prefaced it so there a, you we- go. a web comic strip oh I, there you go <laughs> welcome to the 21st century fellas <laughs> these damn kids with all of their web comics and their pornographies and electricity <laughs> exactly all right and next we have a comment from Dalo R. Lance. Listen, guys, I just want to say thank you for all your hard work on Gundam for these past five years. I just want to say it's been a great show. I'm still listening to it, and I still think it's a great show. I'm currently listening to some older podcasts from Flip the Script and the first episode of Gundam. You guys have really come a long way. 
and just to hear all the spin-off podcasts and where you guys are branching out to, it's truly amazing. So I just want to say thank you and give us another five years, guys. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you very much, Jala. We appreciate uh, the kind comments, and we, of course, also appreciate all of your contributions over the years between editing together, compilation specials, and in procuring, procuring all of the voice talent like Stephanie Shea. So we appreciate your hard work as well. Here, here. I look hey, forward indeed. to more. Indeed. And um, if anything, we're, we're proud of you, son. We're proud of you. And next, we're going to switch over to the conventional mailbag, which you can drop a question in on at the MechaTalk thread for it. So our first one comes from Sakura Angel, who says, Hi, guys. Your autoproclaimed Mexican pedal bear of the West is here. Ooh. So yeah. just for the record, he said it here, not us. Yeah. <laughs> he took the mantle. <laughs> Yes. Before the question, a little update about the Dan versus series. His best friend is named Chris, who is a part-time journalist, who is also a sci-fi geek at times, and is married to a hot red hair milf. So just saying, guys. But anyways. Okay. Well, shit. That guy's already got it better than me. Hey, man. Maybe he's predicting the future. <laughs> Number one, changing main character in Gunn was already asked, but what about the mechanics? What do you mean, changing them? I don't know, I guess, flipping the mechanics around in different series. I have a feeling we've discussed this before. Yeah, I think so. We had a, we had an actual subject about mechanics. Yeah, um, so refer to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, Soulbro, when is the new episode of the Nostalgia Crusaders coming out? No, <laughs> just kidding. Nobody wants to see that, right? And he spelled that perfectly, too, which insults me even more. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I'll throw this out there. Um, uh, lately, I've been streaming. Uh, I won't say exactly what, but lately I've been streaming, uh, and it, it does involve a little bit of nostalgia. If you head over to... Uh, if you head on over to tinyurl slash shin, S-H-I-N, station, um, you'll, you'll see what I've been up to, and I hope you enjoy it. A lot of the other listeners have, so I hope you dig it. The Crusaders are back. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Mm-hmm. And the next question, what are some of the most horrendous, stupid, and almost or completely unwatchable movies you don't recommend for people to watch? For me, it was Thanks Killing 3. All I have to say about this piece of blank is Turkey Muppet with Chainsaw Penis. Wow. What? Wow. I I don't even (laughs) know that I want to know. Wow. That must have been direct to download. (laughs) I can't even imagine someone printing that on DVD or on the disc. I don't even think um, Eli Roth would go to that level, which is a good segue because mine probably would have to be Hostile 2. Ooh, man. That movie is just such horrible torture porn that I watched it in Fast Forward. Because after a few minutes, I just got so tired of the torture that I just put it on Fast Forward and and watched the movie that way. And nothing was lost. That was that was a terrible that was that was a terrible fad. Yeah. And I somewhat I somewhat enjoyed the first hostile movie, mm-hmm. no small part due to the hot Eastern European woman at the beginning. Right. But it at least worked on a certain level, and for all the nasty stuff that was in it, it wasn't uh, comparatively that crazy compared to part two, where part two was just over the top for the sake of being over the top and stuff not serving any clear purpose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hostile two, don't watch it. I, I know for me, uh, I've vented about this before, but. Um, never watched the uh, the cinematic uh, rendition of Max Payne. 
I walked out. That's one of the few movies I walked out of the theater angry. Angry I wasted money on seeing that. Angry that I, sp- I spent time of my life seeing that. I was pissed. And I don't recommend that movie to anybody. I rarely get angry at movies. A lot of them I just dismiss as like, mm, it was terrible. You know, I, I kind of had a feeling on this going in or some movies I was disappointed by. But this movie upset me greatly. It's like, um, no, uh, well, let me, let me not ruin Neo's because I already know what Neo's is, but um, a certain movie for Neo and yeah. how he felt when he loved you, it. You don't, you don't know what mo- movie I'm going to talk uh, about. All right, then I'll just mention uh, our conversations we've had about No Country for Old Men. Uh, yeah, that's I, that's I, a crappy I, one. I, I kind of felt uh, the same way Neo felt when he walked out of that movie like I did when yeah, I, I saw Max Payne. I watched that movie to the end, but a movie yeah. that I never watched to the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tortured myself not too long ago because it, sh- I think it was either on Cinemax or something like that. What is the mm-hmm. DOA movie? Boy, okay. <laughs> what pile of just silk stop? So yeah, so yeah, uh, DOA movie sucks. I think I watched the first twenty minutes of it, and I was like, "Wow, I, I can't even, I can't even try to, to even do this." And um, for a live action movie, that's mine. And then I'll do one anime movie, mm-hmm. and I actually had to watch this all the way through because we ended up, um, we ended up having to review it. But uh, the first time I saw it, I watched the first 10, 15 minutes, and I was like, this is complete garbage. And that's the uh, the great uh, sh- uh, Robotech Shadow Chronicles. Oh! Uh, I thought you were going to say uh, MD Geist colon 2 Death Force. <laughs> actually, actually, in a weird way, I think I'd rather watch uh, MD Geist 2 colon Death Force. Um, then Shadow Chronicles. There's you no know, re- in a weird no way. Sh- I think I kind of agree with you. I there's, do indeed. <laughs> there's no reason why Shadow Chronicles should even exist. None. At least, at least MD Geist is hilarious. <laughs> at least she can yeah. walk away with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Shadow Chronicles. Nah, not too much. Going back to your first point, I just want to sit down and have a torturous day of watching DOA, King of Fighters, and Double Dragon, which sadly was written Ooh. by Paul Dini, all in a row, just to torture myself. I just want to watch them back to back to back, about, and, uh, and maybe Blood Rain. What about finishing that up with some uh, Legend of Chun Li? There you go. There you go. Now you're talking. And the Dragon Ball movie. And, and, and uh, for bonus, Mortal Kombat 2. Woo! Man, that's my animality? Get out of here, dude. <laughs> I heard it no, that, that, that'll be your babality cool. because by the end of watching all of this, you'll have destroyed all your brain cells and will just be a drooling moron. That sounds yeah. like a stream challenge. I should stream commentary that the whole day. I would, I would, I would I'd be no dead. Responsibility. Yeah, no should doubt. Be, you should do that. <laughs> and I will not participate. That's, that's, worse, that's worse than waterboarding. Woo! <laughs> CIA, are you listening? <laughs> I think they are. I'll give them ideas. Woo, man. No. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a uh, couple of questions from listener AJQ32, who says, first, I want to make a comment about episode 116 when you guys talked about Transformers Prime. Mm-hmm. I noticed while watching both seasons that the writers took story elements from the novel Transformers Exodus by Alex Irvine, which was the novel version of the game War for Cybertron. Yeah, but it's only very loosely based on the game. The war doesn't even start till halfway through the book, and the first half is about what brought the archivist Orion Pax and the gladiator Megatronus together as brothers, and eventually tore them apart as Optimus and Megatron. It's a good book and well worth reading since it's geared more towards adults than kids. And there's a follow-up novel called Transformers: Exiles by Alex Irvine that continues the story. Mm-hmm. Well, good to keep in mind. Good stuff. I check that out. How does this fit within the Bible? <laughs> It has no heart and soul. 
just, just saying. And for his questions, of which there are five, first one for all of you. What are your thoughts on fan-dubbed anime songs? If you go on YouTube and type in an anime's name or a song name and add fan-dub, you'll probably get a few results where someone has dubbed an opening or ending song to English or another language. Some are pretty good and others are not so good. But the biggest problem is that anime companies keep having them taken down even though the users putting them up aren't trying to make money from their work. You'd think anime companies would consider it free advertising. It's not like they're ever going to dub the song themselves. What are your thoughts? Okay, well, I got uh, the problem right here is at the end of the question. Mm-hmm. Which is um, whenever anyone puts up something involving um, a copyright music or anything that's copyrighted on YouTube, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, doesn't matter. It's, it's, doesn't, doesn't matter, matter if, it's, if you think it's free advertising. It's still not permitted, and it's that same gray area that fan subs exist in. Yeah. But um, you know, there are companies that do dub songs like Funimation, something that they do occasionally. I don't know if they still do that. Pioneer used to do it all the time too. Yeah. But regardless, you're not allowed to um post as copyrighted songs on there, no matter what you're using it for, which is why a lot of fan dubs, why a lot of AMVs get taken down. And uh, yeah, you may think it's free advertising, but these not. companies don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the only way you can really do it is just put yourself in the position of you're a person that has um, that does a work of art or something like that, and you're, you rely on getting paid royalties based on that. Would you like it to see your stuff being all over the internet or all over and you're not receiving a portion of it and that's how you make your living i mean you have to look at it that way i mean i know a lot of people think that this all should be you know free and love and everything should be just going through the internet for free but there's these artists that's all they do and this let's is how not forget the the japanese portion of that which is what you're referring right. to you know yeah. Just because you, you're looking at it from a Western point of view, like, oh, it's free advertising as anime companies. What about the Japanese artists? Do you think they want uh, their stuff just all over YouTube for people to um, yeah. you know, just listen to, even if it's another language? And they have different laws, too. So yeah, know. I mean, I I I I I completely uh, comprehend what you guys are saying. I I've been I I have I myself have had experience with this because I have made AMVs in the past and I've had YouTube take them down and then put them back up again, which is you know, shocked the shit out of me when it happened. Um, but you know, I completely understand the, the the legal reasons as to why these companies have to protect their their um they have to protect their uh, copyrights, they have to protect their um their intellectual properties when they do that, and it sucks because you know you want to miss reinterpret it in a way that um that other people might enjoy and and that's cool i mean i i i I like the fact that people like to take artistic license and i I, there's a nice uh documentary that i can't remember the name of about uh digital remixing and stuff like that that's on uh, netflix i'll I'll try to remember it for next time that goes into this but um uh it 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 talks about this in full and there's pros and cons to this I, i will say that some people have found fame by fan dubbing songs like uh, voice actress Chris- Christina V. That's how she started out. She got on YouTube and started singing um, and um, started singing uh, English renditions of songs. And then she fell into a, a career for voice acting. So it benefits some it doesn't people. Doesn't make her, it right. It doesn't make it right. But I mean, that's how she got her I mean, start. And her renditions were good. I mean, but but at the end of the day, but you're, but you're at. Well, let me finish. Thing. 
in well, the end, it's like music. Like uh, yeah. hip hop artists have been having to pay royalties since what, the mid '80s. So absolutely. you can't if they make can money do off it, this. Then yeah, then everyone else should comply to it. You can't make money off the shit, and I don't expect to either. And at the end of the day, you are at the mercy of the companies that own the copyrights, and you have to, you have to, you have to just, you know, hold that L. If that, if you, if your video is taken down, it's just what happens. I mean, some of them are nice enough to keep them up, or to not really do anything to to take them down, and other ones are real stringent with it. So, um, you roll that dice. <laughs> you really do. Also, uh, to answer the first part of the question, I don't particularly care for them, and honestly, why would I want to spend time uh, watching these videos? and listening to some random person sing who could sound like crap or mm-hmm. maybe okay, maybe good. Why do I want to waste my time doing that when I could just watch some anime instead? Yeah, mo- most are bad more than good. Yeah, you know. I I rather hear an arrangement than to hear hear like de facto like someone sing singing like karaoke. I rather hear an arrangement like when Chris was in um uh when you when you went to the the Big Easy and you heard that uh that jazz rendition. You heard a a a, a, a New Orleans jazz. rendition of the of the Cowboy Bebop theme. Yeah. Just on uh, when you're on the street, that was freaking awesome. And if someone recorded that and posted it up on YouTube, I would love to see it. But then. And again, uh, Sunrise could take it down just as quick. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I just just to, to add to this point, any time that if you think that something is, you know, oh, this should be okay, it's free advertising for the anime companies. No, it's not. Mm-mm, not it's at not. all. It's not. So keep that in mind. And you know, yes, sometimes uh, anime companies may look at fan subs to sort of gauge interest about something, but there's also the opposite effect of that, where sometimes companies don't want to license it be- specifically because the market is flooded with fan subs and they don't see there being any market people to want to buy anything. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword, but just assuming, oh, this is free advertising, why aren't they okay with this? No, that's that's a bad assumption to be starting with, so don't, don't ever assume that. Right on. Question number two. I've noticed that Mecha are coming up more and more in sci-fi novels lately, like Mecha Core and Mecha Rogue by Brett Patton and Turing Evolve by David Kitson and A Soldier's Duty and An Officer's Duty by Gene Johnson with movies with Mecha in them like Pacific Rim and Avatar. Do you think Mecha is becoming a more mainstream plot device in sci-fi in general? No. Yes. <laughs> easy easy uh, one. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's easy to do now. So, um, you know, the you can you can do it in CG and um, year, back years ago, it was really difficult to do. That's why we got, um, was the Starship Troopers with no mecha way back in the 90s when that came out. So, um, I, I think we're going to see it more, more, more often than we ever did in sci fi movies. But, um, I think it's going to always going to be subtle, save for Pacific Rim, which is like, it's, it's that, that's just definitely a, um, <laughs> uh, a love letter to mecha. But, um, I don't think we'll see it that often except for in that and Transformers. Well, here's yeah. the thing, uh, robots and mecha, they've always been around in yeah. sci fi. So, and, you know, when the question mentions a lot of novels, that's not an issue because you can do whatever the hell you want on a novel. That's <laughs> exactly. There's no constraint there. So just because you've been seeing a couple of more robots in movies now because technology has advanced to that point where you can do it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's becoming this like massive trend. So I wouldn't take some huge thing away from that. Like, oh, but, you know, there's all these mecha in movies now. OK, so uh, aside from Transformers, all we really got right now is um, those little shrimpy craps that were in Avatar and now mm-hmm. Pacific Rim. That's and, and- a span of four years, though, because Avatar was four years ago. 
ago, and now I got Pacific Rim now. And you got the upcoming uh, All You Need Is Kill with Tom Cruise, and um, of course uh, Iron Man. If you if you want to if you want to throw that in the mix, but it, it's not overwhelming sci-fi. We got plenty of yeah. sci-fi movies that have no mecha in it still. But I I think it's become more acceptable, and you know it's it's not going anywhere. So well, wait, I'm well, well, what do you mean it. more acceptable? Like yeah, what does that, that mean? Because it's being you know like people would years ago people wouldn't want to go see a movie with with mecha in it or or you know they they weren't in time. Well, where are you getting I, that assumption from? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean I, it, I I guess I'm assuming because of the fact that you know not a lot of people that I knew were into mecha. So maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I, um, I think I think yeah. you're 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 barking up the wrong tree. If you were saying comic books, then you'd yeah. have a perfectly valid argument. But very true. I don't see any evidence that there was there's like a bias against mecha and people yeah. don't yeah, want to see and, it and, because and, look how successful Transformers has been. Or uh, or what's that movie with uh with with uh fucking Wolverine in it uh the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie Real Steel. Oh, Real that, Steel. That, that movie was a huge hit. <laughs> yeah. So well, if you were saying comic books, yes, maybe there was like a bias or you know, oh that, that's for little kids. That's unacceptable. But I don't see that at all with with robots. True. And guess, true. And guess what? If mm-hmm. Pacific Rim blows up, mm-hmm. then you're going to have plenty of mecha robot animes in the next couple of years because that's just how Hollywood goes. If yeah. they don't care what the topic is. Newsflash to everybody. It's not that they care about this. If it's going to get put asses in seats in theaters, that's mm-hmm. all they care about. So, I mean, that, and, that, and that's when you'll see it. So, there you go. All right. Uh, number three is for me. Other than Zoids and Evangelion, what other mecha anime do you refuse to add to MHQ? I can't wait to hear okay. this. <laughs> okay. Refuse, I think, is the wrong word because, you know, this has sort of just grown into a, a legendary thing over the years, which I contributed to usually in jest. It's not that I refuse to. It's just I don't care. Mm-hmm. So those are two very different things. And um, there's lots of things I don't care about uh, put on MHQ. So, you know, I, I don't have a list. But and once that's just again, it is. And once again, with Evangelion, what are you going to say that hasn't already been said? Yeah, and why do I have to say something anyway? Like, yeah, exactly. Why is that fault to me to say something? If I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. End of story. Like, like the internet needs one more Evangelion site. Yeah. <laughs> Question number four for Neo. Mm. If you ever had a chance to take sorbet to an ice cream shop, what kind of sorbet <laughs> sorbet? Oh, that's, that's easy. If it's, if it's warm out, it's always zesty lemon. Zesty lemon sorbet. Less zesty lemon sorbet. Yeah. Mm. It sounds delicious. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. And explosive. Yeah, and your taste buds. Yes, what? Yes, what? Sorbet. I told him. Zesty lemon. All right. And uh, last question for Solbro. Street Fighter killed Raul Julia. That's not even a question. Yeah. It's, a <laughs> it's a statement that I guess he wants you to respond to. Hey, you know what? His sacrifice made that movie somewhat watchable. That's pretty much it. That movie's horrible except for his performance. So uh, God bless him. If anything, uh, it, it may have killed him. Not the man of the mantra that he did after the fact. But um, you know what? That script would kill anybody. Yeah, but but you have to remember now the the nerd culture now loves that movie. Yeah, but yeah I four, remember. four years ago they couldn't stand it, but now everybody's just like, oh, it's uh, you know the Street Fighter movie. Raul Julia wasn't that bad. You know what's funny it's, about that movie is it, that movie came out the same weekend as Generations, get as uh, Star Trek Generations. Guess what? Guess what movie I went to go see. <laughs> Generations. Exactly. I went to go see that, and um, as I, I, I the, from the trailers alone, that movie looked terrible. Um, but the one good thing about it was Raul Julia being in it. Um, I'm sorry that that was one of the last movies he ever did. He did no, it for not his one kids. Of the last. It was the last. He did. There was something else he did, which was a stage performance, which was filmed into him. Uh, was was also put into a movie. Format. That's not a movie. Yeah. This was his last movie credit ever. Yeah. Right, it was next, his last. Next question. 
Well, damn you all. Moving on, we've got a question yes. from a drunk. He, he did it for his kids. That's all I got to say. <laughs> we, we have we have some uh, drunk questions here. Some, I Uh-oh. guess, uh, drunk okay. questioning is the new thing now. Is it right. just uh, drunk dialing and drunk texting? Nice. So you got Sucker Angel again who says, he says, all right, guys, I'm darn drunk with an empty bottle of Sam Adams in my left hand and about to open Blue Moon seasonal, seasonal cinnamon spice flavor in the other hand. Mm, okay. And how I'm available to type in the keyboarders for you to figure out. But anyway, Google Voice. Mm-hmm. So, bro, question oh, number boy. one. I'm afraid. If Capcom came to your house and asked you to be in the next Street Fighter game using your motion capture character model and voice a new useless DLC character, what name and moves will you put to your character? Moves has to be original, nothing like Hadouken crap. Damn, why, 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 is, why is this guy coming off? This guy is in my ass, man. I almost, I almost, I almost only want to even answer the question. because he's had it out for you, man. He's, he's, he's a little bit of a dick. And just so I'll just put that out there, Sucker Angel. You want, Come at me, bro. Come at me, son. I'm, 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 well, I'm here. Keep, keep, in, keep in mind, in his defense, as he said in the opening of this question, he is drunk. Oh, uh, well. well yeah. you know, so he may be a nasty drunk. So that means he's retarded then. <laughs> so I should, I should treat him as such. It is what it is. Because that's no excuse to me. You still got your right mind. Watch your mouth. <laughs> All right. I, I think, we'll, uh, think that's the answer and move on. Uh, there you go. Next. <laughs> Number two. Chris, what will you do to stop Sobro's dream about appearing in Street Fighter game come true? Wow, I hate this guy already. You know what? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I finally admitted a hate for somebody on this show. I can't yeah. believe it. Good shit. Good shit, man. You've, you've reached me. You've brought me to a new level, Soccer Angel. You and me, man. I'm looking out for you, bro. I'm looking out for you. <laughs> and not in a good way. Number three. How much money do I have to, have to pay to you guys to do an April Fool's episode in Spanish? $10,000. <laughs> I mean, be- I, I speak Spanish, so, I mean. That'd be crazy. Yeah, but he's still offering money, so $10,000. Yeah, I'll, I'll take money anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> the, the question I guess is, uh, what do you got? Exactly. No, ten thousand dollars. The, the extent of my Spanish is poor K. <laughs> and and in closing, he says, "Thanks guys for your time." And my reason to be irritating is Saint Seiya Omega. Chris, know why? What? Okay. I, he's saying that he's pissed. He's irritating because Saint Seiya Omega is pissing him off. Which I can understand that Saint Seiya Omega is uh, not good, but. Uh, You've uh, you've woken the dragon to uh, oh jeez to, uh, to quote a certain uh, Targaryen here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Silver has been just got his panties in it and wine. No, nah, man, I, he can take. He can take. I understand. He can. He can take us. He can take us. He can take us. Saint Seiya and his damn verses and 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 shove him. That's what he can do. All right, moving on. Hopefully not with Sucker Moving on. Uh, Yahtzee88 says, I apologize in advance if this sounds too much like Candyland. Oh. The Gearing's Greed series of games are one of the very few mecha turn-based strategies. If you guys could pick a series slash franchise, which would make a great game using the style gameplay of Gearing's Greed? Uh, I don't really have an answer for this because I've never played Gearing's Greed, so I wouldn't, A, know what the gameplay is like, and then, B, be able to tell what would be suited to that game style, so... 
Yeah, same here. All I've ever seen is just the the shorts on YouTube. You know, the 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 cutscenes in between. That's all I've ever seen. But just to be funny, uh, Empty Guys Two: Colon Death Force. Wow, I, I played. I used to own Gearing's Greed on the Sega Saturn, and um, it's a little bit like Risk, um, but with 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 the one year war basically is the backdrop. If there was another series that I would pick for that, is easily Code Geass. Um, Lelouch's campaign, or if you wanted to play with the uh, the Emperor, I think it would be perfect. The perfect format for that. Funny you say that because he adds, I would personally love a. Code Geass game that plays like Garen's Greed with all wow. the political maneuvers that impact your actions slash decisions and different factions as well. <laughs> Hell, maybe even a game that featured Destiny where Durandal's master plan would come to fruition. Screw you, jab man, I don't care. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another anime that comes to mind that I think would be perfect for that format too is Dunbine. Especially if you're playing it, um, you get the uh, you start off in um in um in uh, Bison Well and then it transitions to Earth and then you continue the war there. That'd be fantastic. I would love that too. As long as you don't have the the king of the king from japan there you go <laughs> japan as long as paris continues to burn we're good to go <laughs> shout out to all the french listeners and next we have a uh, listener from the facebook hey. black comet 1224 who says hello my name is torino de guzman first time poster this question is mainly for neo sobro and chris are free to jump in Neo, have you ever played or heard of Metal Wolf Chaos, and what do you think? Metal Wolf Chaos is a Japanese mecha game created by From Software that was so American, it was never released in the great US of A. It was in English with an English dub, too. The president, Michael Wilson, is betrayed by his vice president, Richard Hawks, and now he must use his power armor suit to take America back from under Richard Hawks' rule. Pretty much, it's if Survey decided to make a mech game and follow the America fuck yeah model with more guns and explosions. Also, if it were to be adapted into to a movie directed by Sir Bay, would you support it? I sure would. This game is perfect for Sir Bay to adapt. Thank you for answering my question. P.S. Whoopit wasn't the first to graduate from being a Soul Bros man. Dicky did it first. He just got pulled back into being a Soul Bros man. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, the correction then. I, mean, I thought Rupert yeah. was the first one, but yeah. Um, and uh, he includes, for reference for listeners, a Wikipedia link to Metal Wolf Chaos and a YouTube video. I've heard ooh. about this, but I've never seen the videos, nor have I played it. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it, but I've never seen it. But just the, the way that you talk about it and the fact that you uh, feel that Sir Bay would do this complete justice, I'm, I'm down with it. Of course, uh, we know that any time that Sir Bay touches anything, uh, it usually is instant hit, mega money. So um, hopefully Sorbet is listening. I know he does. I, I spoke to him last week, and hopefully he's listening to this new episode, and uh, maybe he'll put that in the in the hopper. So all right, starring President Bruce Willis, <laughs> as well as and, and Vice President Kiefer Sutherland. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Now we're talking. Oh, that'd be awesome. Movie is written. <laughs> Who will win? Now he will have the hottest like press secretary ever. <laughs> yes. All right, next we have a question from RoboLizard222. Who says, Hi, Gundam crew. Got a question Chris might know more about. Now, I know Neil's already suspicious with a name like RoboLizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that setting off the warning bells there? I, you know, I always keep track of these things. I have a little, little, little thing here because I'm gonna. I, I know who's gonna be with or against me during the robot rebellion. So, well, his his avatar is is God Gundam. So I don't know if that's reassuring to you. Uh, yeah, note to self. <laughs> what is his question, Chris? He says, "What does the RX stand for in the Universal Century RX series? Is it just made of technobabble, or is it similar to real government aircraft designations? I know that other designations." are easier to identify in the Gundam universe while others just seem to be made up. Is this the case with the RX-78-2? 
to designation. Okay. Now, as far as I know, right? That's what I thought. It's never been established as anything. A lot of people have assumed that it means Renpo experimental because Renpo is Federation Japanese, Mm -hmm. but it's never been you know a thing. But here's something to consider: drop the eight off that RX seventy eight, and what do you get? RX seven, the the like the car. Exactly. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So it's made by Mazda, the Gundam. Yeah. Okay. Badass. (laughs) (laughs) So Mazda becomes Anaheim Electronics. Good shit. Good shit. So that's how it works. (laughs) All right, uh, here's a question from Doctor who says, Hey, Gundam crew. Oh. Kind of in a JoJo mood right now. If you could have any mech as a stand, what would it be? Go nuts. I'm sure Araki will end up doing something just as crazy in the future. I don't, I don't understand. Okay, a stand is a, phys- is a, is a spiritual manifestation that, is, uh, that, that, that stands beside you. It's kind of like a telekinetic being that you control. Um, all the characters from JoJo Series 3 and up have that, and they all have different abilities. Some can stop time. Some can, um, can manipulate objects some can heal people um a lot of them do a lot of damage to people and some of them are just nightmarish um but he basically is asking what what, what mech from uh i guess from uh what what mecha period would you like as your stand uh as opposed to having an actual stand itself what what mecha that um that you're familiar with would you like to have as a stand what okay um first of all uh-huh. just as, as as a note for our listeners uh-huh don't assume that we have seen everything you have seen yeah because i have never seen jojo and mm. even hearing silver's explanation i really don't understand so if you want to ask us something ridiculously specific explain yourself because I, I, I've, if I've, sober yeah. were not here i would have no idea what the hell you're talking about I, I've, I've seen jojo the 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 it would be, but what is this question if we could take a stand and make it a mac is that what it is if you if you could have a uh, a stand, but it would be in in the form of an actual mecha from one of the series that um, we've watched, like like Escaflone or Gundam or anything like that, which particular mecha would you like to have as your stand in particular? Uh, turn a Moonlight Butterfly. There you go. All. I, I I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> when it doubt, just go Moonlight Butterfly. <laughs> I, I will take the most dangerous suit. Which one? Most dangerous. The most dangerous suit. Oh, awesome. Yes. There you go. Awesome. The most dangerous, you know, body armor. So worn by a certain man. <laughs> Me, I would you like to say he's the most dangerous. <laughs> Interesting. Awesome. Uh, for me, I would like to have... I always say the Zeta, but I'm not going to go with that one because that's that's more fun to pilot. Not to have is something that would stand beside me. Um, I always had an affinity for um, the Gurren Lagan. The Gurren Lagan would be a would be great as a stand because it's just so devastating. That's the shit. So that would be mine if I had to pick one. All right, and next we have some questions from Mr. Bushido. Oh, Mr. Bushido. It says number one, if you were to put into if you were to put in any Gundam into Muvluff Total Eclipse, which would it be, and how would the universe turn out? Well, I would like we... to put Exia in there so it can slice and dice all those betas up. Yeah. <laughs> and go crazy. Yeah. Uh, turn A Moonlight Butterfly. There you go. That would be useless. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's not like the betas are made of technology. It would actually be, it would be, understa- uh, under, under, it, it would be underpowered for, uh, for that kind of fight. I, I would probably go with the Savior myself. I, I, I've always liked that suit and a nice transformable suit to get out of sticky situations. Unless, I mean, uh, one, uh, of the, unless one of the betas is named Kira. There you go. There you go. That not, the only <laughs> Why is Kagali beta crying? <laughs> exactly. 
And uh, question number two, which I'm sure is uh, bound to draw Sobro's ire now that he's in a mood, uh-huh. is would Jar Jar Binks be considered a Sobro's man? That's a terrible question. You know, Ooh, that, that's, that's, that's an insult yeah. to Sobro's men. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? As Sobro, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, as much crap as you give you about your men, uh-huh. Saji Crossroad and Jar Jar Binks, there's a wide, wide wow. gap there. I, mean, I never thought I'd hear this. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks is this low, yeah. stereotypical creature who is just the lowest of the low. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, 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 I don't... Yeah. I would never purposely ever pick him to be a Sobros man, nor uh, nor would I ever want him to be considered. So, so yeah. um, Mr. Bushido, that was that was terrible of you, sir. That was terrible. Now, but I, I, I still was, like you, do. I still like you, though. If I was <laughs> now, I think though, since we're on the topic, we should name a Star Wars uh, Sobros man. Ooh, yeah, we could do that now. Oh, that's <laughs> it, it. Possibly Anakin, because he sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about uh, Anakin. Maybe. Um, hmm. What about uh? What about uh? I don't know. Um, I'm thinking of someone from the uh from the from the prequels, but uh, because everybody rocked in the uh in the original original trilogy. Maybe uh, Ewoks. Ewoks possibly. Uh, Ewoks. Solbros men or Solbros teddy bears. What was the name of uh homeboys uh job of the huts uh Salacious Crumb maybe Salacious Crumb. There, there you go. <laughs> No, I, 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 I've got one for you. Who? Yep. Who's that? Nibnub. Uh, remind me who that is. Yeah, who is Nibnub? That's Nib-Nub? the um, sort of annoying guy who's co-piloting the Falcon with Lando in Return of the oh. Jedi. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. He's always oh. like, oh. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the racist Asian stereotype guy? <laughs> Alien? <laughs> <laughs> More Woo! racist than the freaking uh, dudes from episode one. Oh my god! The the the, the guy who um who who Anakin uh, had the slave under that guy. I forget Watch his name. Him. Yeah, that's him. That's him. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Why <laughs> was just a, a a flying like space Jew bug creature? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And it's like man, I, I, I even I went to go see that movie. And I was like, yo, this there's something wrong about him. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, my my nomination is uh, Nib Nub. Indeed, indeed, I, I guess that would fit the yeah. uh, the Gundam idea of what a Soul Bros man is. So there you go. <laughs> nice. All right, and uh, next we have a question from Project Five, who says, "Hi, Gundam crew, the great Gundam in the sky. In order to kill Kyo to save all the Gundam universes, what is your top three ways to kill Kyo and keep up the good work?" Okay. Well, first, abortion. Uh, that would have been an easy one. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> cut, cut right to the chase. Yeah. <laughs> that, efficient, yes. Yeah. Second one would be uh, first day walking home from school, getting hit by school bus. And last one, moonlight, butterfly, turn lane. Uh, again, that would, not, that would not be effective. <laughs> Unless well, you did it in the space colony and the space colony what, falls apart and kills everyone else, too. Yeah, what if, what, if I, what if somehow he got dropped out of the sky and had to become like the $6 million man? And then, then that would, then moonlight, butterfly would work. That that that's a very specific if, <laughs> or or hire Whoopit to be a uh, assassin, because I know okay. Whoopit would like that. Uh, uh-huh. So, bro, <laughs> I <laughs> that that question took your breath away. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of how devious I can get. I, I I can't think of many, but uh, the one thing I can't think of is to put him against Domon. 
the one would beat Kira's ass. I don't care. I don't care how many reasons people would say um, the reasons, the, the you know that that Kira would beat him. There's no way Doman would destroy him. Kyo. no question. Kyo. Kyo. Oh yeah, Kyo. Well, Kyo wouldn't kill him. That's the problem. Kyo couldn't kill him. He sucks. <laughs> But Domon, Domon would get the job done. No, 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 no. He's uh, saying Kyo. So oh. You got to kill Kyo, not Kira. Oh, Ke- oh, shit. Uh, okay. Kyo. Oh my God, Kyo. Um, yeah, Domon would still beat his ass. <laughs> but, but, uh, in a, in a fight, if they had to fight to the death, Kyo couldn't capitalize on that. So there you go. Um, other than that, uh, abortion sounds good. I can't top that. I can't top it. So go ahead, Chris. Okay. Uh, one would just be bullet to the head for being a traitor. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Some record number, t- number two uh, would be one that a, a friend of mine frequently likes to cite, a short drop with a sudden stop. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> oh, or spacing. You could always do the spacing. You could. Uh, yeah. For my third one, this is me being creative, I, I lock him in a cave with, with Kira. Mm-hmm. To see who can out wussy who for the longest. Nice. But then what I want to see is when do they start going Lord of the Flies and which one will turn savage first and, and rip the other to pieces and eat him for food. Kira. I, th- Kira. I think it'll be seed Kira. Mode. Yeah, seed mode. <laughs> yes. yeah, Kira will go into seed mode and, and he'll spam like rocks and whatever's in the cave and, and he'll, uh, he'll eat Kyo. And say, Kyo, Kalgalee's crying. <laughs> I, I understand you want to live. I understand you want me to eat you, but Kagali's crying. Exactly. <laughs> Kyo would be like, who's Kagali? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She's crying. She's crying. I have to eat you. Then he proceeds to snap Kyo's neck. <laughs> yes. His coordinator powers. Nice. So there you go. And our last question today comes from JCN Casball 76 mm-hmm. who says, Upon listening to the ANN cast today about the fall of Bandai Entertainment, do you echo the sentiment to Robert Napton's comment of what happened to Bandai Entertainment when it closed down in 2011, or are you surprised what was not mentioned in the Gundam podcast a year or two? I, I don't know what that means. But, but, but we do get on the subject during the Stephanie Shea interview, so um, we can reference that at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just again to reiterate, uh, big big surprise. Um, you know, company has its strings pulled by a uh, Japanese parent that doesn't understand how the American market works. Mm-hmm. And what do you get? You know, and uh, what I've been, what we've been saying on this podcast for years, but that people would still counter with their hopes and dreams. Japanese, the Japanese production companies view America, as Robert Napton said, as an after, after, afterthought. Yeah. We've said it. Nobody wanted to believe us. Here's mm. a former Bandai guy saying it from the source. There you have it. But he's just a scrunnel, Chris. That's well, there you go. Well, <laughs> funny say. you mentioned that because on ANN in their uh, talkback thread for that episode, there were people saying, oh, but this is just one side of the story and he's disgruntled and, you know, uh, he's not telling the whole side. And we need to hear what Japan has to say. And this is just feeding into, you know, anti-Japaneseism uh, and pro-America and America did nothing wrong and yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, you had some people like casting doubt on everything he said just by the fact that, uh, you know, we didn't hear Japan's side, which uh, when are you ever going to hear that? Yeah. Do you, they don't do you honestly expect to get, you know, Mr. Gundam on on the record saying, yes, we don't understand anything about America and we screwed up and we mismanaged this at every turn, despite what 
our American employees told us. Do you really think that's going to happen? Yeah. That's like getting, you know, the CEO of some evil American company to admit, like, oh, yeah, like the CEO of Halliburton, like, oh, yeah, we defrauded the U.S. government. Oh, yeah, we we uh, <laughs> overcharged them, you know, hundreds of millions on uh, Iraqi contracts, and we mismanaged all this stuff, and we used, you know, shoddy equipment, and we didn't protect our contractors, and oh, yeah, we did all that stuff. Yeah, glad glad you caught us on that. We're, we, we have to admit it. Yes, you got it red-handed. That's yeah, going to happen. And I, I think uh, I think a lot of these people need to, like, read some of the, uh, you know, some of the stories and the policies of the Japanese companies. They're a lot different than the American companies in the way that they do things. So it's not that we're crapping on them, but it's just a different way of doing things. And they're not always innocent uh, for the decisions that they make. So you, this, this, but then I, I forget, you have this whole subsection of these anime people that are like, oh, everything in Japan is so peachy keen. Like, you know, it's, it's utopia. And it's like, nah, there's some problems there, <laughs> you know, Plus socially and economically. So. Plus the fact that, you know, and the, the numbers back this up, America is a very small market to them because they make so much money selling stuff at a high price to a small number of people, why bother trying to appeal to anybody else if, from their perspective, they make enough money as is? Yeah, exactly. Which, that's the thing about business you have to understand. It's you have the sort of entropy that builds up where, you know, a lot of companies, they, they, they look at the numbers and they say, if things are doing okay now, why bother doing anything different? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you have, you have uh, a disincentive to do anything. Like, for example, if you look at, say, telecommunications in the U.S., you know, whether it's cable service or phone, mm -hmm. you have your giant monopolies. You've got, you know, say, your AT&Ts and your Verizon and your Comcast. And when you're in an area and your choice for any of those services is just one out of those two, and it's just those two, do they really have any incentive to, you know, want to improve their infrastructure or their service? Because if they piss you off, what are you going to do? you going to go to the other guy? Yeah. And then if they piss you off, what are you going to do? to come back? What does it matter? Well, you have a 50-50 chance of getting your business anyway, and you'll probably yeah. end up staying where you are anyway. So what incentive do they have to do anything different? Same thing with uh, these Japanese companies when it comes to dealing with the American market. Yeah, and it's just like this this whole attitude, you know, you have a lot of these, um, you know, these sci-fi and comic book movies that are coming out and they're very successful. And you have these people that are like, oh, this just validates, all, you know, all those years when I was being made fun of that I was actually right. No, it doesn't validate anything because all it validates is right now Hollywood is making money off that these, these, these uh, movies are appealing to them. And once these movies start not doing the returns that they've been doing, they're just going to move on to the next thing. I mean, it, it's all about making money in the end. And that's what these here, corporations do. Yeah. Here's the other thing. When it comes to at least America, yes, obviously America is potentially a much bigger audience than Japan. But when it comes to what's been sold so far, it's obviously not something that is satisfying to these companies. Otherwise, the industry would be in a very different position. So, you know, if people aren't willing to uh, shell out money for stuff and even if it's to the unreasonable expectations that Japanese have, they're not going to show any interest. And, you know, there's not really anything you can do about that. You could be someone like, say, me, who has supported anime for decades between VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. And even if lots of people did that, and lots of people do, sometimes that's just not enough. These companies yeah. have unrealistic standards. They think that, you know, a business plan from one market can just be copied and pasted into another, and nothing will convince them otherwise of that. So it is what it is. Yeah, and there's there's no incentive for them to do it. I mean, if if Japan if the Japanese company can go out and have ten thousand people buy something at five hundred dollars a unit, and but, but then you'd have to go into another foreign market, which is going to add costs on it, and you're only going to have 
2,000 people and they're only going to be willing to pay 50 bucks, what makes the better sense? I mean, that's that's yeah. just how it is. I mean, and going back to the news, you know, I'm sure there's a certain amount of people in Japan who will buy that $550 Gurren Lagann Blu-ray set that makes it worthwhile for them to have, to have set that solid uh for that price. Mm-hmm. And what they lack in number of sales, they make up for on the margin because it's so freaking yeah. high. Right, exactly. So that works fine for them, and maybe it works fine for Aniplex over here. But uh, you know, with the way that the home video industry is handled here, they don't have any interest in pursuing that model here. And you kind of don't blame for them. them. Yeah, yeah. If, if if it works for them over there, just the way things are, why bother doing anything different? Until it doesn't work, then that's the problem. Yeah. And, you know, if end. eventually one day it stops working in Japan, then maybe they'll be a little bit more receptive to foreign markets. But for as long as just going with the flow keeps working, what is the intended to do anything different? Yeah. So there yeah. you have it. Oh, you're, 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 you're so negative, Chris. Oh. You're so negative yeah. on the anime industry. <laughs> it's all about the fans and the passion. I am, so... <laughs> But because is that forever. <laughs> yeah, is that, 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 will, that will wrap right. up the mailbag. All right. Well, so that was... everyone, please uh, submitting your questions. Yes, keep submitting them in, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be going through some more of those uh, next episodes. So before we uh, go, we'll be uh, we ask everybody to go to the following websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M A H Q dot net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, make sure you visit Gundam dot net. The official website for the Gundam at MAHQ Podcast. And where you can download and find information on this episode and our entire back catalog. Join in on the conversation at mechatalk.net where you can also find official forums for Gundam. Where you can submit questions, topics, and reply to anything that we said in this episode. All other links for Gundam at MAHQ can be found at about.me slash Gundam. There you will find links to us on iTunes. Facebook, YouTube, and our other media facets. After listening to Gundam, the next podcast you should be listening to is Chaos Theater, MAHQ's other podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom, hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ himself, Chris Guanche, and everybody's favorite pedal bear of the South, Pedro Cortez. Listen to them at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Shinjuku Station also has a podcast that focuses on fighting games called Fighters Ready, hosted by Gundam's own Sobro Ryu and his co-host Nick the Stampede. Fight your way on over to FightersReady.net, where you can download episodes and join in on the conversation. And Wait, hold on, I, I, I've got a, I've got a few things. I got a, a few shout out. Go I ahead. was I was going to ask if you or Chris had anything on there. Oh, I'm sorry. Before- <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Soulbro, did you have anything to say before we uh, bid adieu today? Hey, usually we do the, the Pete the Websites to close the episode out, so I wasn't sure where you were going with this. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, but, yeah, um, I just wanted uh, to, to give a shout-out to uh, the, the, the cats over at the I Thought They Smell Bad on the Outside podcast. Uh, recently, I was on there to talk about Trigun, and I, I was joined by, of course, the host, uh, Foul Sorceress and Jabman. Uh, and we sat and talked about the Trigun, the comic book, the uh, anime series, and the movie. And uh, coming up, uh, I'll be uh, showing up on both the uh, Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Uh, by the way, you can you can find the um, that the I thought they smelled bad on the outside podcast at sbopodcast.com. Also, head on over to aaapodcast.com 
and SSAAPodcast.com. I'm going to be on um, episodes on their shows this week to talk about uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure since that series just, just ended. So um, uh, check those out or ch- check my Twitter at SolboRyu, uh, at SolboRyu on Twitter to, to find out when those episodes are streaming live. And I just wanted to thank everybody who bought Gundam The Origin. Um, a lot of people have been posting up pictures of Gundam The Origin on the MAHQ Facebook group and also uh, referencing them on a Twitter at, at Gundam at MAHQ. So for those, uh, keep those picks coming for those of you who are buying that book. And um, thanks to everybody who went out and bought that book and you guys are supporting it hardcore. Outside of that, that's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, Chris, um, do you have anything that you would like to say before we say farewell? No. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll be joining everyone in a couple of weeks with episode 122. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. A mud hole. Great. I sure hope they're friendly. Hey, watch it! Uh, huh? Shaw. My apologies, kid. I'm afraid that my driver's new at this. She's not used to this kind of weather. Uh, did we splash you badly? Not really. I was able to dodge the worst of it. Huh? I'm sorry. I was driving too fast to stop quickly. It's okay. Let's see. Gears in neutral, brakes are off. Good. Mala, get the tow rope out of the back seat. Yes, sir. What's your name? Amuro. Amuro Ray. Oh? Amuro Ray. Funny. Sounds familiar. I'm almost certain I've heard that name before. Come off it. Stop playing games. You know who I am, and I know who you are. And now I know her name. He called her Lala. We'll have you out of that mud in no time. Thanks a lot. Sir, won't you let me help you with that? It's done. We can pull you out easily now. Great. Sir, I really appreciate this. You're very kind. May I please know your name, sir? I'm Shah's novel. I'm a military officer, as you can see, I'm sure. I knew it was Shah. Lala, drive forward very slowly. Yes, Captain. Captain Shah's novel. The famous Red Comet. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Here's a little holiday greeting I've been wanting to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to phrase it until now. My name is Tony Stark, and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward. So I've decided that you just died, pal. I'm gonna come get the body. There's no politics here, it's just good old-fashioned revenge. There's no Pentagon, it's just you and me. And on the off chance you're a man, here's my home address. 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked. That's what you want, right? Kill me. It's a fire!